Tuesday, May the 25th, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast, presented by Better Than Dot Vegas. Tell you more about them in just a minute. We have a really cool week coming up. I am excited as a, a ton of different guests, ton of different topics. We will discuss Phil Mickelson right off the bat winning that PGA championship uh, and NBA playoffs update. I'm going to go through every series, update you on what's been going on so far. A couple of them two games through, most of them just one game down. Then we'll get into baseball. Take a look at everything that's been going on over the last week. A look through the standings, all the news in baseball. Stable duel. What's going on this week? What contests are we going to be focusing in on? Where are the big money games at? We'll let you know all about this week schedule for stable duel. Then we get into the horse racing. There's a pick five carryover at Indiana Grand. So Bill Downs, track announcer from Indy, joins me to discuss the pick five carryover for Tuesday. Then we get to Canterbury for Tuesday. They have that low 10% takeout pick five. Angela Herman joins me to talk about uh, Tuesday, Canterbury, and their pick five. You, you've probably uh, seen Angela doing work over at Canterbury through the years. She was calling races up at Golden Gate a few years ago, doing some work at Santa Anita, and uh, she's back doing a, a lot more work for them. So she helps us out with the pick five. We talk some Grants Pass, just a couple uh, plays for Tuesday. Want to give a little love to our buddy Jason Beam over there. So we always uh, put a few bucks uh, through the uh, the wickets there at Grants Pass. Then on to Wednesday, Indiana Grand Pick 5 with Andrew Champagne. Then we go to Canterbury, Dave Handelin. He, he hit the Pick 5 last week at Canterbury, and it was a good one on that a big carryover pool. He made uh, almost three grand on that one, so we had to have we had to have him on to talk a little bit about that and to help us out with the Wednesday Canterbury Pick Five. Then we also have some Thursday racing for you. Uh, I get to uh, the Churchill Thursday card, and we look at the three stakes races at Canterbury on Thursday. So a couple uh, plays throughout those. That way you can uh, put them in your Pick Fives if you're playing on Thursday. So yeah. We're going to go golf, basketball, baseball, stable duel, Indiana and Canterbury for Tuesday, Grants Pass also Tuesday, Indiana and Canterbury for Wednesday, Churchill, Canterbury for Thursday. We've got four different guests on this episode, so yeah, we don't have a whole lot of time to waste, and if you're in that kind of a situation, maybe you want to uh, get involved, you like playing uh, your sports or races, but you, you know, maybe you haven't handicapped or you can't prep, or maybe you have and you just want a little bit of help, Better than dot Vegas. Check this website out. Go look at it right now. Every day, you get a bunch of information that's going to help you be more successful as a handicapper slash gambler. And they always will have free contests that you can get involved in. So check out the weekly showdown. If you're looking at better than dot Vegas right on the left side, it'll say weekly showdown. When you look at that, well, first off, you look at me and you'll see I was third last week. I had a good week, plus uh, over four units throughout the week. Really did well in baseball. God, basketball was killing me, though. Got it. We're going to turn that around. So for t- for free, all you have to do is register and then post a couple of picks with videos throughout the week. Contestant must make at least three picks. Picks are valued at one unit. They must post their picks to BTV in the form of a video uploaded to the site. They give you an example video. You must post three videos throughout the week, and they must be made prior to the game time of any game being bet. Details 
of the pick must be posted in the description of the video. So you make your video, and then you write in the description what your picks are. Um, really, really simple. Any sport, any type of bet, but the odds must be posted, and the bets are tracked manually. And then at the end of each week, the contestant with the highest total units wins 250 bucks, $250 cash payout. For not, and it doesn't cost you anything to get involved. All you got to do is go register, record your videos, upload your videos, and then the results are tracked and, and you can read all through the contest rules. They all That's every week. That's the weekly showdown. Right now, there's an NFL playoff contest. There's an NBA playoff contest. These are all free. And then what I'm doing every day, uh, maybe five or six days a week, is you'll get videos where I'm going to give you daily selections and they're they're very rarely horse racing stuff. I, I'll give a lot of the horse racing stuff out here, but this will be baseball or basketball. I'll give you some of the games that I'm playing. I'll give you the reasons why. Like always, it, with me, it's never going to be a, oh, I like, uh, you know, so-and-so plus 150. It's always going to be lots of analysis. Why did we come to this conclusion? What what are the things that led us to this? And, uh, yeah, hopefully we can, uh, we can help you out and we can help you make a few bucks there. And maybe if, if it's not me, you look around, there's a ton of other different... Um, vi- handicappers, different videos, different sports Hockey, baseball, basketball, soccer um, Everything, tennis, you name it They've got it there, horse racing stuff um, Sometimes you'll see me post some videos there Or some stable dual stuff Also, better than dot Vegas. Give it a look, it will help you out With all your handicapping and your gambling So if you... uh gambled on Phil Mickelson over the weekend. I believe he was around 300 to 1 or so. He wins the PGA Championship. So there are a lot of things that were pretty absurd about this victory. Um he is now been uh able to win in 4 decades, joining Davis Love the 3rd, Raymond Floyd and Sam Snead. 14th player to win 6 majors and the the length between his first and his last victories, 30 years and four months, is the longest in PGA Tour history. The oldest major champion at 50 years, 11 months, and the first player ranked outside the top 50 in the world to win a major since Keegan Bradley did it in 2011. So a decade since anyone outside the top 50. 45th PGA Tour victory, tying him with Walter Hagen, for 8th most. Not only was he ranked outside the top 50, he was ranked outside the top 100. He was ranked 115th. Now, after this victory, he jumps all the way up to 30th. I'm reading uh, a lot of this stuff through an ESPN article. Uh, So, next up for him uh, will be the prep for the U.S. Open. Not sure if he's going to play. He said he will play in the Charles Schwab Challenge in Fort Worth Then spend a couple weeks at home prepping for the US Open (laughs) He said it's very possible this is the last tournament I ever win Like if I'm being realistic It's also very possible I may have had a little bit of a breakthrough And some of my focus maybe I go on a bit of a run So US Open begins June the 17th Not far away Let's see uh, Any other things So yeah he surpassed uh, Boros oldest major champion um, Davis Love was the fi- the last player to win on the PGA Tour past the age of 50, which was six years ago. He defeats Brooks Kepka, who, you know, one of the absolute best right now. One over par 73 on Sunday. 
kind of up and down. There were a few moments where it did look like he was going to spit it out. But you know what? He held pretty steady while some of the others around him just didn't. They kind of ended up being their own worst enemies, and, and he he really did held, hold steady. 7 of 14 fairways, 11 of 18 greens. He hadn't finished among the top 20 in his last 17 events since last summer. So uh, then that the moment, if you, if you saw, if you're watching the crowd on 18, like... He and Brooks, they kind of got caught up in the middle of them. It was a crazy scene for a moment. The people this weekend were at, at all of the sporting events now starting to come back were just nuts. It was cool to see because you see the people in the vaccinated sections. They're all, you know, yelling and screaming and, and getting back to normalcy. The NBA playoffs were insane. There was a, a big night at church all over the weekend. And then and this was another huge moment. Now a six-time major winning Champion, uh, major winner, same as Lee Trevino, Nick Faldo, hadn't won since 2019 at Pebble Beach, and hadn't won a major since 2013. He had actually missed six cuts just in September, and he was he was needing special exemptions in order just to get invited to other tournaments, and so he didn't even know what his future was going to be. And this is a, a moment that a lot of people are comparing to, to Tiger's big win in 2019 when he came back and, and looked like he was done. The only difference here is this dude was, like we said, th- like 250 to 300 to 1 odds. He, you know, and you see tickets floating up uh, from people who bet 20, 50, 100 bucks or so on him ended up making a, a big score on lefty. Getting the job done. Phil winning at 50. Let's get over to uh, NBA. Talk a little bit about the playoffs. So uh, Saturday and Sunday were so much fun. We get the four games on Saturday. We get the four games on Sunday. And then now things all split up. And by the end of the week, there will probably be a couple series that are already done. So this is those first two games. Two days are good. And you know what? We got really good games from top to bottom, which you you generally don't get in the NBA playoffs or in a lot of playoffs in the first round of the playoffs, right? A lot of times there's a couple bad matchups, the eight and the ones or seven and the twos, and it just games aren't close. Not the case on Saturday. And now uh, that Miami-Milwaukee series, which was the first game on Saturday, that game ends up going to overtime in just a great, great way to end, you know, to start the playoffs, it ends up 109-107 there. Um, Middleton hits a game-winning shot with 0.5 seconds left, and nobody led by more than four points in the fourth and overtime. Just back and forth, and back and forth. Uh, Giannis struggled down down the stretch with free throws. Uh, he was just two of five in the last like minute or so. And he then he had a free throw violation, which they Miami you could tell is, is kind of waiting, and they had a they were waiting to, to pull that one off. And he only finished six of thirteen from the free throw line. The Bucks only shot five of thirty one from three, sixteen percent, and they still won. For Miami, they had Ariza play thirty eight minutes. Jimmy Butler shot only four of twenty two. They were really led by uh, Duncan Robinson. Who uh, who made seven threes and and Drogic was awesome. Who uh, who also he had five threes. He had twenty five points that and didn't get much from from Hero. 
and, but it was a, a really good game, and it felt like it was going to set the tone for a playoff series that you know may go deep six or seven. But then on Monday night, the Bucks just beat the crap out of the Heat. I mean, this game was never closed. Milwaukee scored forty six in the first quarter. They were up forty six to twenty. They outscored Miami in each quarter, all four quarters. They outscored them. They got six threes from Forbes. He had 22 points in 20 minutes. They got five threes from Connaughton, who had 15 points in his 19 minutes. They made 22 threes as a team, 22 out of 53. Miami made 20 threes in game one and lost. Milwaukee made a 22, and they just beat up on the Heat. The Heat shot only 40% overall as a team. And, you know, you just look through and Deadman was the leading scorer for the Heat. I just can't imagine that's ever going to be a good sign. You know, as when, when one of your backup centers is, is scoring 19 and, you know, you're you're just not getting what you need from Butler. You're not getting what you need from Bam. Dragic was fine. He had 18 in his 24 minutes, but those were, I, I mean, this game was over early. Over very early. And now Milwaukee's up 2 nothing, And Miami has to come back and win Game 3, obviously. This is a different Milwaukee team than the one that Miami beat last year. This team is better. You add Drew Holiday to the mix, who didn't even have to do much, but I mean, he had 15 assists. He didn't have to score a whole lot. He had a plus 37. <laughs> plus minus a plus 37. That's not always the most accurate score, but you know, you you, you look at it and sometimes it, it matches what you... The eye test and um, yeah, the game was over early on. Bucks up two nothing. They're in great shape there in the East. So the second game on Saturday was an upset, and both of the LA teams are down. Both of the LA teams better be careful. And we start out with the Clippers, who lost by ten to the Mavericks, and the both the LA teams lost. But both of the teams that were very good this year shooting three at a high clip and high efficiency lost. The Clippers and the Jazz. Clippers shot just 11 of 40 from three. Paul George and Kawhi were a combined three of 14 from three. The Mavericks were 17 of 36 from three. Finney Smith was four of five. Hardaway Jr. was five of nine. Luka was five of 11. But keep in mind, Luka didn't have some incredible all-worldly game, right? He had 31 points. He had a triple-double. It's funny how how the bar is raised so high for him, right? 31, 10, and 11, and a steal and two blocks. Feels like it, it wasn't that great. But here's the thing. He was only 11 of 24, and he only had one point in the fourth quarter. He was 4 of 7 from the free throw line. Missed a couple free throws and only one point in the fourth. So awesome threw a three, and then he was quiet in the fourth. But they just he was able to find other guys, and they were, they just hit their shots. They were op- they hit open shots. This this is a little bit scary for the Clippers because you probably don't get Finney Smith going four or five, and you probably don't get the Mavs shooting that forty set plus forty seven percent from three, but. You could get a crazy Luka game where he goes for 40 or 45. And Dallas outscored the Clippers in all four quarters in this game. This wasn't like a fluky win. Um, they they shot 50% from the field. 
So they shot well from three, but they also shot really well and were just getting good looks. And I mean, same thing like Porzingis didn't have a monster game. He could score 30. He only had 14. So Mavs won the rebounding, and they won despite 13 turnovers to the Clippers' five. Now, the Clippers, on the other hand, you got to imagine they're going to shoot better. They were so good shooting throughout the year. And one of their best shooters, Marcus Morris, was 0 for 6 from 3. Kawhi was 1 for 6. I mentioned the combo of him and, and PG. Just 3 for 14 overall. So, one of their steadying presences was Rondo. And Rondo... Scored 11 points, had 4 assists, 4 rebounds, a steal, and a block. He was 3 of 4 from 3. It's a pretty solid game for Rondo, and that's just what they need from him. Batum also played fine. Their bench is not bad. I mean, they're, this is this is a team that's as good as any team in the league. It, it Now it's going to come mentally to them, right? Paul George struggles a little bit. Now, after you have some of those playoff issues last year, you're down one nothing, and you're down one nothing at home. You don't want to get down 2 nothing and then have to go on the road. You know there's going to be a huge Luka game coming too. So you got to get a win soon. You have to bounce back. We'll see what the Clippers can do. They play, what, Tuesday night? I think they play like just after the Lakers start. So the Clippers start on 7.30 on, uh, on Tuesday night for Game 2 against Dallas. Mavis up one nothing there. We get to Boston, Brooklyn. Uh, Boston got up early, but there's just no way. And, and Brooklyn really struggled early. Their three stars were just like, ice cold to start. Durant ended up only one for eight from three. And Harden was only two of eight from three. Kyrie was only two of eight from three. How about Blake Griffin playing 20 minutes in a game and not taking a shot? Zero shots. Played really solid defense. Like he's He's doing everything he can out there. Four assists, three rebounds, two steals. Just a different version of Blake. You just, you're not winning if Tatum is only scoring 22. And 22 points on 20 shots. Only one of four from three. And then, you know, five assists and three rebounds to steal a block. He, You need 30 plus from him in any, any chance of keeping games close. And this game was close early. But there were... A Three quarters where Boston scored 20, 20, and 21. Like, that's not enough. They only shot 37% overall. And some of it was, you know, probably some okay defense from from Brooklyn. But a lot of it was just Boston missing shots. I mean, who, who played well for them? Williams, right? Robert Williams. Who had nine blocks and looked like a pogo stick out there, even with the banged up uh, toes. He's got a little turf toe. So keep an eye on that. But he was so good. At points of this game. 11, nine, 11 points, 9 rebounds, and 9 blocks. But you look at Tatum, who was 6 for 20. You look at Kemba Walker, who was 5 of 16. He had a minus 21 plus minus in this game. Evan Fournier was quiet and like non-existent. 10 points, 3 of 10 in 39 minutes. It's just not enough. And... This felt like a very winnable type game for Boston. If you just get a little bit more from Tatum. They, yeah, Boston only scored 40 points total in the second half. And, uh, you know, they, they were up 32-20 early on. They had every opportunity to try to steal a game. But just not played, uh, did not play well enough to do so. 
We had the final Sunday, uh, Saturday game, uh, Portland at Denver, Game 1. The Blazers took Game 1. Uh, they shot 19 of 40 from 3, uh, 47.5%. Um, Denver shot just 11 of 36, just 30.5%. So for Portland, Dame had 5 threes, Carmelo had 4, and, uh, and Simons had 4. So, you know, Dame, you expect, you know, he's going to make 4 or 5 threes a game. But getting 19 total... And getting, you know, eight from your bench like that, from two players on your bench like that. Another key to that game was they, they were able to keep Jokic to just one assist. Now he still has 34 points and 16 rebounds, but he wasn't able to get anybody else involved, or when he was, it, it, they weren't able to make the shots. They weren't great looks, easy looks. Michael Porter Jr. was just one for 10 from three. Portland outscored Denver. By 17 in the second half. They went on a 32-13 run in the third quarter to go from down 9 to up 10. And Dame himself scored 15 in the third to put Portland up one game to nothing over Denver. Then on Monday night, these two teams came back and played game 2 and uh, Denver tied things up here. So this series is now one game to one. Portland shot 16 of 33 from 3. Again, they shot really, really well. But they lost by 19. Denver cruised most of this game. They outscored Portland in every quarter. Denver shot 53% from the field. Jokic had 38 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, and he shot 15 of 20 from the field. Got a nice little boost from Millsap off the bench. 15.7 rebounds, 3 assists, and a steal in 15 minutes. But too many turnovers from Portland. 20 turnovers. That gave Denver 14 more shots overall. Lilliard scored 42 points. He had 32 of those in the first half where he hit eight threes in the first. And then things got a little chippy with Carmelo, Jokic, Nurkic. There's that history between Jokic and Nurkic who both used to be on Denver and then they ended up trading uh, Nurkic and, and wanted to keep Jokic. It's been been the right call. And uh, Carmelo's getting into it with them out there. So there was a, this series, keep an eye on it. Continue to get a little heated, and, and it looks like we're going uh, we're going to go deep into this one as it's one one, and it feels like you know whoever punches the other one's going to kind of punch back. They had a great seven gamer a few years back, so uh, we'll see if this one can go deep again. So those were your Saturday NBA games. On Sunday, we moved to the one eight over on the East. It was Washington versus. Philly, and this was all about Tobias Harris early on. He had 28 points in the first half. He had 37 overall. Embiid had 30 points, and Ben Simmons really struggled to score. Um, In fact, he was 0 for 6 from the free throw line. Only scored 6 points total in this game. He did have 15 rebounds and 15 assists, a steal and a block, so he, he was still getting involved, but in closer games against better teams, if he's an offensive liability out there, that makes things difficult no matter how good he is on the defensive end. This game was close late. Uh, it was within five in the last couple minutes. Washington, they shot almost 56% from the field. They did shoot 40% from three also. And Beal had 33 points. But Russ, down the stretch, struggled. You know, he was doing the Russ kind of thing where he'll make a really great play and then he'll kind of have a turnover or a bad pass or... He tried to do a little too much and sort of kind of not not lose you the game, but 
you know, good play, bad play to where he's not really, you know, that star down the stretch and he kind of tries to do a little too much sometimes. The the 16 turnovers for Washington. Um, six of them from Russ. Six of them from Beal, who just feel, you know, a little bit forced to try to make too many plays there. 13 offensive rebounds for Philly, who, you know, was able to get their victory. Probably not as impressive as they would have liked to be, but hey, at this point, that doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't, right? Win and move on. And that's not what we can say for my Lakers. The Phoenix Suns were just, honestly, better. Phoenix was better. They played harder. They played with more urgency. They they felt like they needed to win game one. The crowd was nuts. I think it rattled the Lakers a little bit. And Devin Booker looked like the best player on the floor. And the second best player looked on the on the floor looked like it was Aiton. Those two were better than LeBron and AD. And it honestly wasn't close. This game was actually overall closer than it than it had any reason to be. The Lakers' defense somehow keeps them in the game. They shot only 43% from the field. They only took 76 shots. You look at the amount of shots that uh, a lot of the other teams and a lot of the other games have taken. Phoenix shot 10 more. Lakers only shot 27% from three. They were 7 of 26. They only shot 60% from the free throw line. They were 17 of 28. They missed 11 free throws. AD missed a couple, LeBron missed three, Drummond missed two, Schroeder missed three. CP3 left banged up in this game. He had a neck issue, so we'll see. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's going to play and, and at least attempt to play in every game. He went out and he came back in and out multiple times, and, and honestly, he didn't look very good when he was in the game. He was kind of turning the ball over. It didn't look like he had much range or he could, uh, he could you know, hit a three. Um, he was gutting it out, and he was sort of, Inspiring them by being on the floor But they were able to run everything Really through Booker um, He was just awesome He was 13 of 26 from the field He was 3 of 7 from 3 5 of 6 from the free throw line He had 8 assists and 7 rebounds In his 34 points The Lakers have to make An adjustment now They've been really trying to force And, and I think Frank Vogel will He did a great job of doing this last year But, but Dr- Drummond is an, an AD on the court It just doesn't work all that well And you just don't need it Because most of these teams don't have multiple bigs Drummond is fine if you want someone to come in and Maybe off the bench Another big body Here and there But the Lakers better option at the big spot Is Marc Gasol He spreads the floor He gives them a little bit more offense LeBron doesn't feel like he's got all the springs right now Gasol can help you can run offense through him. He can get other guys involved. Every time you brought him in down the stretch, he sparked this team. The guys around him like to play. Kuzma, Caruso, they make they cut really well off of him. And it's yeah, we just can't we can't have too much too much Andre Drummond. And, and he only played 19 minutes. And you look at some of his numbers. Oh, 12 points, nine rebounds, and stuff. Yeah, but he, it's not about that. It's what he. It's the spacing. The he clogs up the lane, and it doesn't give LeBron enough room to work. AD enough room to work. Um, anyone trying to cut, you have really good options. You've got Gasol. You've got Montrez. You've got Markeith, who you know you can go to. 
starting games for you in the finals last year. The, I mean, the Lakers, honestly, they should have lost this game by 20. KCP was one of seven from three, and those were all wide open. I mean, wide open. He had so many opportunities to have it hit one of those threes that sort of changes the momentum. Three off a steal, wide open in the corner, boom, miss. I mean, he was bad. There was a point where LeBron was the only, LeBron was three of four from three, and the rest of the team had not hit one. And that was into the third quarter. And then Schroeder finally hit one, KCP finally hit one. AD was 0 for 2 from 3. Kuzma, this is probably the worst Kuzma game I can remember in a long time. Definitely the worst game in a couple months. And Because at the very least, he's been playing really well on the defensive side, getting boards, making good passes. He just, he wasn't pumped, excited, missed his only couple shots that he took, and he was like very like non-existent on the floor. He was like he just forgot he was there, which was never the case with Kuzma. Wes Matthews, who had been good down the stretch, he was only one of four. He missed his all three threes that he took. Caruso was probably the only player, honestly, that you could say played well, played what would be considered a good game for him. He shot the ball fine. Doing a lot of the Caruso things. He played 24 minutes. I think this rotation is going to start to shorten up a little bit too. Yeah, I think you need a little bit less Drummond. And you need a little bit more Caruso even. And give me some Gasol, please. Give me some Gasol or some Morris. There was a weird moment where campaign got ejected. There were double T's. And it was a... I, I didn't like it. Even though it benefited... I guess it benefited the Lakers because campaign got ejected. Um... But Montrez campaign was do he kind of did a cheap move to Caruso and then he kind of threw the ball at him. But Montrez ran over and bumped him. If if you're throwing campaign out, I thought you had to throw Montrez out. Even if Montrez was was trying to sort of defuse the situation and get in the middle of him, he sprinted over and then he bumped him. So um, didn't end up costing the Suns though. Those fans were going nuts. Eleven thousand. The Lakers. Your world champion Lakers. A lot of veterans on this team who have played in a lot of big games throughout the years. They said that the experience was different than they had been used to because there had not been an environment like this recently where the fans were going nuts. And it it did rock them a little bit. So a few different teams have said something similar. So we'll see if they can settle in now on Tuesday. Game 2 of this one. Can the Lakers bounce back? Um, I mean, keep in mind... The Suns won, but hey, it's not as if they played incredible or shot great, right? They got Jay Crowder was 0 for 7 from 3. They only shot 32% from 3. They and, and then Chris Paul, you know, it's 7 points, 8 assists, 4 rebounds. You don't always get big scoring games for Chris Paul, so it wouldn't be absurd to even see a line from him like that. But if he's healthy, he's obviously capable of doing much more than that. And on the flip side, are you going to get that kind of a game from Aiton each and every time? 21 points, 16 rebounds, 10 for 11 from the field. He was better than Anthony Davis. And it, it wasn't close. Totally outplayed him. They out-rebounded the Lakers by 14. They had more assists, more fast break points, and more points in the paint. Lakers should have lost by 20. And now, if you're the Lakers... Uh, you have to just kind of look back to last year and think, okay, we lost game one to Portland, came back, 
won four in a row, lost game one to Houston, came back, won four in a row, ended up winning the title. This Phoenix team is better than those two teams. I still think it's a bad matchup because if Anthony Davis plays like the Anthony Davis that uh, we saw just a few weeks ago against Phoenix, I don't think Aiton can stop him, but Anthony Davis did not play like that. He mentioned after the game, he knows he has to play better, um, and that frustrates some fans because they say, "What? why does he have to get motivated? How come the playoffs don't motivate you? Who knows? You know? The Lakers started off the game actually pretty well, and then he started floating a little bit. How healthy is LeBron? That wasn't a great LeBron game. A good start to the game, and not a lot of burst. Trying to get the spots that he can normally get to, and he's having a tougher time. Not as easy for him right now. Can he call upon that greatness? We'll see. Tuesday night, Game 2, Phoenix and the Lakers. Then we move to the Hawks, Knicks. Oh, what a game in an atmosphere at MSG. The Knicks back in the playoffs now for the first time in years. And Trey Young is the new New York villain. Um, He was, it's quiet here after he hit a big shot. Trash talking everyone there in MSG. He had 32 points, 10 assists, and 7 rebounds. 9 of 9 from the free throw line. He hit the game winner. And he was going crazy. So Trey, he uh, uh, public enemy number one right now in New York. Uh, Julius Randle was awful. He was six of twenty-three. This guy was a legitimate All NBA player throughout the year, and he just did not have a good game in a really big game for them. And so, you know that that's honestly this. The difference in the game is something like that. Trey Young plays really well. Julius Randle does not. Although the Knicks did get the Alec Burks game. 27 points and even 4 assists. He was 9 of 13 from the field. He made 3 threes in his 26 minutes. But Bogdanovich hits this massive 3 with like 50 seconds to go to tie the game. And then it gave the Hawks the opportunity to go up. Knicks come back. And tie it, and then Trey Young hits that game winner. Eleven turnovers for the Knicks, and you just come. That's not a terrible number, but when you compare it to just the six for Atlanta, that is again in a close game, a couple, a couple more points there. Those fifteen thousand fans at Madison Square Garden were loving this, seeing the Knicks back in the playoffs. So we're gonna get. Game, when are we going to uh, Wednesday, I believe, right? Wednesday, we get game three, Wednesday, 7.30 Eastern time. Uh, or, excuse me, game two, game two, Wednesday, Atlanta, Knicks. We'll see if the Knicks can tie that thing up 1-1. And a big upset in the the Sunday night game. The Grizzlies, who had to win Back-to-back games in the play-in, beat the Spurs. Then they had to upset the Warriors, who everyone just assumed was going to be in. Then they sneak into the playoffs. They're the eighth seed against the Jazz team that's been awesome all year long. We find out right before the game that Donovan Mitchell isn't going to play, and he has not played in the last 16, 17 games, but all the reports leading up to this was that he was going to play, 
find out right before he, he's not. Then we hear weird stuff about him and the players. And they're not getting some of the other players in the team aren't getting along all that much. And there's a, a riff in the team. N- nonetheless, as far as this game is concerned, the Grizzlies win 112 109. They scored 32 points, 34 points, 29 points in the last three quarters against a, a team that you think is a very, very good defensive team. John Morant, 26 points, 4 assists, 4 rebounds, and a steal. And then Dylan Brooks just blossoming before our eyes. 31.7 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, and a block. We've seen him defensively. We This guy just cares. They all talk about him as the emotional leader. Right now, he is on one. He has raised the level of perception of him, of who we think this guy is. He's hitting big shots and big moments now. If he helps this team upset another game off of Utah, even if they don't win this series, but a young team like this getting these big moments, like these huge moments under his belt, Dylan Brooks cannot have been more impressive. But Kyle Anderson with six steals. And again, another really good three-point shooting team that did not shoot well from three. Utah just... Uh, just 12 of 42 from 3. Jordan Clarkson, 6th man of the year now, 0 of 8 from 3. Memphis shot better from the field, better from 3-point percentage. Uh, they had 12 steals to 3 from Utah. They had only 9 turnovers. Utah had 16. They had 12 fast break points. Utah only had 7. And Memphis had 62 points in the paint compared to the 42 from Utah. Memphis had 19 more shots than Utah. And they had a 31-7 run starting late in the second quarter that just changed the entire game. Bogdanovich tried to get them back in the game. He scored 20 points in the fourth quarter. They cut it down to one point with just six seconds left. Mitchell, back for game two. But how rusty is he going to be not having played? You know this Memphis team isn't just going to give it to you. You're going to have to earn it. Big shout out to Memphis. So how about that? The one, three, and four seeds all got upset in the first round in the West. Then the three Denver came back. Uh, let's see if uh, if the Lakers can uh, be one of those bottom seeds to uh, to get their victory on Tuesday. So a couple more games on Tuesday, and you'll have NBA games every night now uh, rolling along through the playoffs. We. I want to talk a little bit about SarahCandles.com, our friends over there. C-E-R-A Candles.com. Their goal was to create a candle 100% natural, clean-burning, high-quality that everyone can enjoy. They are all natural soy wax, free from the toxins found in paraffin wax. That is what is used by a lot of the other leading brands. This all-natural soy wax will actually hold your scent better and burn up to 50% longer than the traditional paraffin wax candle. They're 100% lead-free, cotton wicks, completely natural scents, made in micro-batches, hand-poured to ensure the highest quality, 100% locally sourced, handcrafted in the USA, 25 different scents available, 3 different sizes, fragrance oils that are infused with natural essential oils, the best ingredients, quality packaging, affordable prices, longer burning, and none of those toxins, those carcinogens, or those pollutants that are found in the paraffin wax. These are created by people who love candles. They started out experimenting, trying to create the perfect candle, and that that has blossomed into Sarah Candle Company. C-E-R-A Candles.com. Promo code G-I-N-O will get you 10% 
off your purchase A perfect gift for someone They even give you instructions and details On how to keep your candle clean You want to make sure that you're uh, always trimming the wick uh, Before you light it again And you're putting it out Using the top of the candle That'll give you the perfect burn SarahCandles.com You can let your friends know That when you bought them this gift That you were thinking of their health No toxins, no carcinogens, no pollutants Promo code G-I-N-O Gets you 10% off Let's get a look at what's going on in the MLB Over to baseball as the Tampa Bay Rays We're going to start in the American League We'll kind of start in the East We'll go East, Central, West And then through the National League Tampa, they've won 11 in a row now They have actually jumped up to first in the East Uh, Before Monday's game They were averaging 8.1 runs per game During their 10 game win streak They scored 14 So that is up to 8.6 runs per game During this 11 game win streak Randy Orozarena, Austin Meadows Have been playing really really good ball right now And the American League East Things are getting fun there Because the Yankees have won Six in a row On the backs of their incredible starting pitching As of late Corey Kluber's no hitter on Wednesday And the Yankee starters have gone Five straight games without allowing a run Three of those games Were shutout wins The other two were walk-offs After the bullpen ended up blowing the lead They came back and win One of those games I actually needed the White Sox Who we'll talk about in just a second Uh, But on the Negative side in the American League Boston has been playing really well They're right in the mix there too So you've got Tampa, Boston, and the Yankees All separated by just one game And they're all three deadlocked in the loss column With 19 losses so far The Blue Jays who were right in that mix recently They unfortunately ran into the buzzsaw Known as the the Tampa Rays And they've lost six in a row Below them, Baltimore has lost seven in a row and they're now down to uh, 17 and 30. Toronto is at 500 right now, 23 and 23. The White Sox, they end up winning on Monday after getting swept by the Yankees over the weekend. And then you got all that drama going on with La Russa. Um, and, and maybe that'll die down now. But they're, you know. The best and most likely winner in the AL Central The Minnesota Twins have won a couple recently They've kind of moved up the standings there They're 18-29 and 29 now Bad news for them as uh, Maeda has gone to the IL It's not like he's been incredible or anything so far this year But um, let's see if the Twinkies can move their way up the, uh, the standings in the American League Central Where are we going next? Oh, uh, let's go to the AL West. The Rangers actually swept the Astros. The Astros were playing really well. They moved back up to first in the division, and they had won 11-14. Then they lose three over the weekend, where they, I think they blew two saves and another one in extra innings, or uh, bullpen was just not good for them. The Angels are just just not good right now, Um, unfortunately. The... Yeah, the the Angels. Let's see, had a had a good Angels note here. They so obviously they got you know, Mike Trout got hurt last week, which just destroys them. They've lost five of seven. They had one late inning comeback, 
5 of 7. They're 20 and 27 right now, last in the AL West. And you got the Mariners who can't score. They've been no hit twice. Them and the Rangers. Uh, a couple teams have been no hit twice. And they they have scored 1.7 runs per game in their six games last week. Just abysmal for the poor Mariners who cannot score at all. You got the Mets who are really banged up. They've lost the second most projected warp to injuries per baseball prospectus. So you look through their lineup right now. Oh my gosh, the lineup they started on Sunday is just brutal. Not a bunch of everyday players and just guys that are not hitting well whatsoever. Lindor is still abysmal. The the positive for them, they're still up a game in the East and DeGrom's supposed to start on Tuesday. So, I mean, that should be a big help for a Mets team that's, oh, their lineup was so bad on Sunday. The Marlins, Braves, and Nationals all have three straight wins to make this division really tight now. The uh, National League East is all separated. Uh, the the All five teams are separated by two games. Mets, Marlins, Braves, Phillies, Nationals. And only two of those teams actually have a positive run differential in the Braves and the Marlins. So... That is just such a wide, wide open division. It will be really fun to keep monitoring that one. Atlanta, they had a big uh, scoring outburst over the weekend, so they were able to to sweep the Pirates, and, and, and maybe they start to turn things around a little bit. That could be a fun, fun division to keep our eyes on. Ah, the poor Reds. Remember how good they were to start the year? They were 8-5 and five, uh, at home in April. This is a, sort of an article I'm reading through uh, a lot of these stats from, uh, from Fangraphs. And it's, uh, their weekly you know, tiers of rankings. The Reds have lost 8 of 11 at home. They got swept by the Giants, and then they lost a series to the Brewers last week. They scored 3.7 runs per game at home this month. And in one of those games, they actually scored 13. You take that game out, they've only scored 2.8 runs per game at home. So, uh, no bueno recently for the Reds. The NL Central is also warming up a little bit. We've got the Cardinals, the Cubs, and the Brewers only separated by two games. They're ahead of the struggling Reds there. And we had a really fun Cubs-Cardinals series over the weekend where the Cubs showed that they are starting to play better. They're getting better pitching. Davies, Hendricks, we've seen some good starts from them. Baez, Bryant, uh, Rizzo, and Jock all up over 250. And remember how bad they were hitting early on. So, Cubbies getting in the mix. The Padres, they had won nine straight in a row before their Monday loss. They actually lost a uh, Trent Grisham to the IL too, and Machado sat out. He has uh, some right shoulder issues, so he didn't play on Monday. But the Padres, they're nine straight victories, and they have the highest number of days lost to injury in baseball. They they had a nine-game homestand where they did not lose. They scored 66 runs, and they allowed 18. Fernando Tatis Jr. had 11 hits in four games, including four home runs, four doubles, and three stolen bases. Then you have the Dodgers, who 
have won seven in a row. They swept the Giants, and now they are tied with the Padres, and they've got some returns on the way with Cody Bellinger and McKinstry likely to join the Dodgers this weekend. They are on rehab assignments right now. Tony Gonsolin, probably a couple more starts before he joins the big club, so he'll be here soon. And the Dodgers have the high, the uh, most projected war as far as games missed. So whereas the Padres have the, the highest number of days lost, the Dodgers' quality missing has been the most. Some of their quality players missing has hurt them. So... It just shows you how both the Dodgers and Padres are so good and so deep that they could withstand all of these injuries. Dodgers bring in someone like Pujols, who's actually been good for them. He's helped them, and and he's given them a little bit of a jolt. The team seems to really like him around, and he seems really happy to be here. Dodgers allowed only 15 runs during their seven games last week. Incredible pitching from everyone. All of the Dodgers starting pitching right now could be an all-star. They're four starters. Bueller... Bauer, Kershaw, and and Urias, just incredible from uh, from all of the, the the Dodgers starters. So they've been carrying them. And then Lux, Lux last nineteen games, three thirty eight batting average, three ninety on base, five twenty one slugging, twenty four hits, three home runs, sixteen RBIs. How about Muncie? Muncie went from two oh nine to two ninety two. That's his batting average now. In his last 17 games, 24 hits, 7 home runs, 14 RBIs, 12 walks, and 14 strikeouts. During that stretch, he's hitting 421 with a 529 on base percentage and an 842 slugging. Dodgers will be happy to get McKinstry back, who is hitting 296, a really good utility player. He had a couple home runs and 14 RBIs. And then Cody B, former MVP. A couple other uh, pieces of news Indians, Fran Mill Reyes, uh, out 5 to 7 weeks with an oblique strain. Uh, and then Miles Mikolas for St. Louis uh, also headed to the uh, the IL. D-backs have lost eight in a row. Oh, just a few weeks ago, the D-backs weren't in all that bad of shape. They were 15 and 13. They were two games back in the NL West. They had won 11 of 14. Since May 2nd, they've won three games. They've only won four total in the month of May. Just a bad stretch. For the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, they uh, they beat up on them over the weekend. Um, so the Rockies at least are uh, are playing some okay ball and and taking advantage of a struggling team because the Rockies are are, uh, are are no world beaters themselves. They're nineteen and twenty nine now, uh, eleven games out in the NL West. We'll check in in a few days with everything going on. In baseball, see who's moving up, who's moving down, the standings, who's hot, how many more no-hitters are we going to have, and uh, we'll see if the Dodgers keep playing good baseball with that big uh, series sweep over the weekend. They jumped over the San Francisco Giants, and now Dodgers have another big series coming up with them uh, this week, I think a four-gamer also, so some, uh, some more opportunities to do some damage there for the Dodgers. We're going to move into the horse racing portion of That's What G Said. So first, let's talk a little bit about DRF. Then we'll hit some stable duel. And then we get into 
Indiana Grand Pick 5 with Bill Downs. We get into Tuesday Canterbury Pick 5 with Angela Herman. We get into some Grants Pass Best Bets for Tuesday. Wednesday Indy Pick 5 with Andrew Champagne. Wednesday Canterbury Pick 5 with Dave Handelin. Thursday Churchill Best Bets. Thursday Canterbury Stakes Races. That's the uh, the order that we'll be operating in. And right now we uh, head on over and uh, hear a little bit about DRF. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years. Studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone. Cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next. And then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf past performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com each and every week we are finding new tracks on that stable dual contest schedule new tracks more options for games for big players for small players stable duel your daily horse racing contest it's an app you download it right on your phone or on your ipad totally free to download and you can get involved in a contest any day you want any track you want that they have on the menu for whatever the entry fee is some days they have free games this week you'll have a couple different free games to play um some days one dollar contest five ten bucks to enter all the way up to hundred five hundred a thousand Sometimes different formats of contest where they pay, you know, you, you, you can double up or triple your money up and they'll pay out to the top half or the top third. Others are more traditional formats where it's like a big contest that'll pay the top, you know, 30 positions. So you don't have to win. You can still have a really good lineup and make some money. And, you know, 
If you ever have any questions about how to build your lineup or what exactly you're doing, I'd love to help you. Really easy to sign up. You create um, your stable. You name your stable. And then you just pick which contest that you want to enter. You deposit the money into your account for however much you need to play that contest. And then, boom, you're in. You build your lineup. You have to pick 10 horses with a $50,000 salary cap. And so you can't just pick favorite, 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 favorite every race. You have to, you have to, you know, work that lineup and really kind of tinker with things as you use, okay, um, a horse that you like in this race, but it's going to cost you a lot to spend up. And then the next couple of races, you can't afford to do so. It's a lot of fun, sort of a different format than your normal betting at the races, but your handicapping is going to be the same. You're trying to find horses that are going to win. You're trying to find horses that are good value. Find horses that are consistent that are going to hit the board. You get points if your horses finish top five. So this week on Tuesday, let's talk about all the different contest options. Parks, two on Tuesday, a 10 and a 250. Uh, there's a Thistledown contest. And then at Canterbury, there are two different options for you on Tuesday. On Wednesday, there's a free ride at Parks. Then Delaware Park gets in the mix. Uh, they have a $10 game. Penn National has a game on Wednesday, $50 game. Canterbury has a $25 triple up And then on Wednesday night there are two options For Emerald Downs On Thursday you've got Thistle Down Canterbury with two different options There are a couple stakes races on uh, Thursday's card at Canterbury Charlestown has a free ride And then Emerald two different options That's on Thursday On Friday you've got Gulfstream with the contest Monmouth has two different options There's a $50 opener And then Monmouth has a free ride There's a Penn National $25 contest and a $250. There are stakes races on Friday at Penn National, including a graded stakes race. Then there's going to be a series that leads you up to a big Memorial Day game at Lone Star. So you can see uh, games all throughout the weekend where the winner will qualify into that big Lone Star game for May the 31st. You've got Santa Anita with a couple different games on Friday. And then on Saturday, Gulfstream, two different games there. Monmouth, Two different games at Monmouth on Saturday Pimlico has a free ride Santa Anita has two different games A thousand dollar winner take all game uh, Lone Star couple, uh, couple games there Another opportunity to qualify for the big Monday Memorial Day game And then on Sunday Gulfstream Two Gulfstreams Monmouth Lone Star Santa Anita A couple different options And uh, a couple for you At Lone Star In a loaded Really Really busy week for Stable Duel with a ton of different options for you. And we are going to get right into the horse racing portion. Uh, the handicapping, we're already talking horse racing, but as far as the specific handicapping for the week, and that's going to start with Tuesday. There is a pick five carryover at Indiana Grand. This thing in the $60,000 carryover range, you know, it's going to get at least. 250, 300,000, and maybe even more with the way people have been playing some of these tracks early uh, in the week now because you're getting good products there at Indy and at Canterbury. Bill Downs, track announcer from Indiana Grand, joins me. We spend uh, about a half an hour or so going over the pick five sequence for Tuesday. So get those past performances out. We're talking Tuesday, Indiana Grand, May the 25th, and we start in race number five. Bill Downs here on That's What G Said. 
Sometimes things are just meant to be When I was getting ready and putting the show together For this week, the early part of the show There's been such great racing recently At uh, Indiana Grand and at Canterbury Early on in the week that I wanted to cover A little bit of that So I, I reached out to a few different people Asked if they'd join me to help me cover a, a, One of the low takeout pick 5 sequences That both of those tracks uh, have right now And it was it was uh, just a, a Meant, like I said, it was meant to be sometimes because we get track announcer Bill Downs who had said, "Yeah, I'll come join you, and we'll talk about the uh, the Tuesday pick five It just so happens that the Monday pick five ended up carrying over, so that the sequence that we're about to talk with you is going to be a massive pick five carryover on Tuesday at Indiana Grand. There was already one of these last week, a ton of money poured into the pools, and joining me to talk about this is the man that you hear calling the races over there, track announcer Bill Downs, Bill, how you doing? I'm doing great, Gina. How about you? Oh, doing really, really well, and a, a lot of fun added now uh, with this sequence. I just got to say, the the last few years in particular, um, everything that's going on at Indiana Downs has just been incredible. All of the the people in charge over there that are running the show, uh, they have a, they brought in a great team, and it just seems like there's so much more buzz, so much more excitement from people on social media wanting to play these races day in and day out. And uh, now we get a big pick five carryover to talk about. Yes, I think uh, we did it uh, a year or so ago. We we moved the pick five from the first five thoroughbred races to the last five thoroughbred races. And that really kind of uh, made it even more popular. And we've been blessed with a, a few uh, carryovers in the last few weeks. And uh, got a carryover going into the Tuesday card of uh, over $67,000. So, you know, you, you think it's a healthy five times multiple to yeah. for sure new money probably uh, thrown in there uh, in the pick five. And it's a pretty darn good sequence. And I think uh, the weather's going to cooperate as well, which is always a little bit of a question mark this time of year, Gino, yeah. with, the, yeah. with the rain. Uh, but it doesn't look like there's much rain in the forecast. Now, if it's Wednesday, that might be a different story. But tomorrow for Tuesday, it looks like everything's going to be uh, A-OK. So we should be fast and firm. Yeah, and uh... – uh, again, just another big shout uh, before we get into the specifics of this sequence to the whole team you got over there with uh, with Eric and Tammy, Rachel and Nancy are some of the faces that people see out there too doing a lot of the work. But um, it just you know in, a, in an era where a lot of folks don't necessarily listen to their customers or a lot of horse racing fans and horse players like to complain and gripe, it, it's very refreshing to see tracks. That are right now there are a few that really seem like they're kind of trying to do the opposite and they're they're being very uh, better friendly customer friendly kind of listening and um, that you know that's what we that's what we want that's what we've all we all strive for as uh, as horse fans. Yeah, and this is year number nine for me here at Indiana Grand. I came on board when uh, Rachel came on board back in 2013 when. Indiana decided that the owners at the time decided they wanted to run all the thoroughbreds at one track and all the harness at another track. Didn't make sense to turn the track over every year. And so they decided to move all the races, uh, thoroughbred races and quarter horse races over to Indiana Grand. And it's been a, you know, it's, I don't want to call it a meteoric rise, but it's been a steady climb up the, yep. the handle ladder, if you will, yep. uh, where we were in 2013 and where we are now. And Erica, um, is continue the great work. Uh, we we lost our general manager John Schuster uh, not too long ago, and Eric came in last year and uh, made uh, you know some subtle changes. And one you know one of the things was the pick five, and it seems to be working. We moved our racing schedule more to a Monday through Thursday type of schedule as opposed to 
uh, running some, you know, what running Fridays and, and some Saturday evenings. And that seems to help handle wise. And, you know, at, we, we know where we're at uh, right now in, in the marketplace and we're, we're trying to take advantage of uh, yeah. that situation. So it should be a, a, tomorrow's cards pretty darn good. If I do say so myself. I- I completely agree, and we're going to uh, jump right on into it. So those of you who are following along, let's get those past performances out, and we're going to start in race number five with the uh, the 50-cent pick five here. This is leg number one, and the you have a $20,000 allowance here. So these are fillies and mares, which have started for a claiming price, price of 20000 or less since October 2019. They're going to go uh, a mile on the turf course, and the horse that'll, you know, the, the eight rawways entered for main track only. The horse that'll take probably the bulk of the money is down towards the inside, Daddy's Boo, who came off of a long layoff for Larry Ravelli with a, a pretty good second on May the 8th over at Arlington Park. And we'll try to build off of that performance, some inside speed there. So at the very least, this 10-year-old will likely be forwardly placed and in the mix and probably one they'll have to run down or pass. Yeah, she's getting up there in years, 10 years old, uh, but her, her record obviously is outstanding. She obviously needed the race last time out, going from November 19 to, to May of 2021. I remember actually watching the race live. It's always kind of hard to get a gauge on the fractions when they're about fractions, about distances at Arlington. Um, but she had a clear lead, and she just, uh, you know, yeah. I, if this is her a couple years ago, she wins that race by mm-hmm. you know four if she's eligible for it. But uh you know, uh, she lost to a decent uh, filly uh, before that race. Uh, the, the horse, the filly that won that race ran down to Tampa. She's won a maiden race. So she lost to a, a much m- more inexperienced uh, runner uh, than what she, she's usually when she does the go on to defeat mm-hmm. than she's normally uh, done. So I don't know about Daddy's Boo. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm going to make her. I don't, I don't think I can make her a single. No. So what I like the most is strolling the bayou for, for Greg Foley. Um, been off since mid-March, overcame trouble, watched the race back. She had to check a couple of times early on the race, but she looked like the winner at, at the eighth pole. So, uh, um, you know, the layoff is a slight concern off of a pretty good win, but strolling the bayou is probably my top choice. Um, Native Lion, the five horse for Tiana Richardville's turned out to be uh, a decent claim from from last year, uh, one down a turfway in, in early March. Uh, that last race might not have been the fastest pace in the world, but she lost to uh, Flash and Dance, and Flash and Dance came back uh, to win an allowance optional claiming race at Indiana Grand two weeks later. So that that race was uh, a little bit flattered. Um, that third place finish by uh, Flash and Dance coming back and winning once again. Uh, but you know the key to this race is whether or not we can put enough pressure on Daddy's Boo uh, to defeat her. Um, you know, I'm not. I don't have major knocks against Daddy's Boo, but I just don't. I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm game enough to single yeah. her at, at 10 years old after watching what I did last time out at Arlington. But she might. Uh, she might make a career win number 18, make me look foolish. She, you know what? If honestly, on one of my tickets, I may do the. I try to zig right here and even single the four stroll in the bayou. I generally play a couple, especially on a big pick five day like today. I'll try to single in on a couple tickets with some of my real key opinions, and one of them is stroll in the bayou. Um, I do sort of like you. I respect Daddy's boo a little bit. I just think the presence of my candy girl right next door. Yep. You got four in exchange to the outside of that one also, who has a little bit of pace. So you've got two horses right to the outside that could be making things difficult. And then even a horse like uh, like Native Lion won't be 
too far out of it uh, Not exactly slow So I think there is enough pace to set up for Stroll in the Bayou And I just I feel like she's the most consistent You sort of know what you're going to get from her um, She launched from a little farther back in her last few I don't think she has to be that far back And maybe she's getting the type of trip That we expect uh, if there is some pace in here So I, I'm with you I, I kind of prefer Stroll in the Bayou As a horse who I think might be still heading uh, on the way up As a six-year-old mare Whereas Daddy's Boo could absolutely win this But she does feel like she's just a bit beyond her best Yeah, and then, you know, my candy girl She's best on the lead So it, it definitely there's a possibility there With those two right next mm-hmm. to each other They'll know exactly where they're where each other are And uh, those two look like the uh, primary speed in, in that opening leg of the pick five Yeah, I guess the only other one that I, I was sort of intrigued by And I'm, I'm kind of curious to where uh, where you know She ends up early And like what her trip is Is, is Mad Grace who does uh, get Parker to jump aboard And she's coming out of a couple productive races too She's not like far behind a lot of these And I don't think she would be that much of a shock She just sort of probably needs the trip uh, And uh, she hasn't been as consistent Lately as she was maybe about a year ago Yeah I, I tend to agree um, You know she hasn't won since uh, 2020 when she got on A little bit of a roll Maybe you know maybe she's rounding back Into form but uh, I like Others in here yeah um, yeah so it's Just it's just one of those things Unless you're going mad deep in in that race, it's hard to use a, a mare like Mad Grace. Can't go four uh, by five race by five by five. You know every race in a, yeah. in a pick five. You got to take your stands somewhere as. Uh, we move along to race number six, the second leg of this pick five sequence. They're going to go a mile on the turf course here. We've got Phillies and Mayors, three-year-olds and up, which started for a claiming price of 5000 or less since September the 1st, or a claiming price of 8000 So uh, just as far as the uh, the wagering is concerned, um, probably three horses towards the inside. That'll take the bulk of the support, uh, likely led by a horse like Antila, who comes in from Tampa and was in really nice form, and then uh, hooked up a pretty solid allowance group last time out. Um, you know, those those three probably take some action. The horse to the outside takes a little bit of action. So, um, how how deep or how are you looking at uh, trying to get through this leg in the pick five? You know, there's a, there's a, there's a few horses I like, but I I kept on coming back to Antalya for Tony Granitz, who's off to a great start to the meet here at Indiana Grand. And that starter allowance race on April 14th, I looked up the conditions once again. It was 16,000 or less, started 16,000 or less in 2020 and 2021. And this one is only for 5,000 or less. Yep. It's September 1st of 2019. Um, so I, I, I think that she's facing a little bit easier in here. And if you, if it, once you establish that, I, I don't see how you throw her out. Yep, I agree. But there, there's others in here too. I like this race. Uh, Northern Alliance for Larry Ravelli is back in the barn of Ravelli. Ravelli's had this uh, mare in the past. I think she's. I, I looked it up. I think that, she, that Ravelli's won the majority of the races that Northern Alliance has won. And uh, you know, get, it, this this uh, mare, um, the last time Ravelli had her was at Arlington, August seventh of two thousand twenty. That was just a conditioned claiming race. But uh, she was able to win. So Ravelli knows this mare, mm-hmm. reacquires her, and she's not in a claiming race. That's a pretty good sign right there yep. for Northern Alliance. On top of that, Loveberry is coming down from Arlington to ride. That's another positive sign. At least that's what I have in my, uh, when my entries came out. So Northern Alliance is, to me, a, a, probably a very, very strong second choice for me. And, and then you got a horse, uh, a mare like our closure, 
who two starts ago winning up against the boys in a two other than allowance race where she was completely over her head. Mm-hmm. And then last time, yeah, it was a sloppy track and she's won a sloppy track before. But, you know, it wasn't there wasn't a, it wasn't a fast pace at all. Sure, you get behind up. in the slop sometimes and then it's just easy to pass. You know, it's easy to pass that race. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I, you know, I don't know if I like her as much as Northern Alliance or Antalya, but she's interesting. And then on the outside, the eight Malibu Moira, yeah. who lost to Stroll in the Bay, we just talked about, who's running in the fifth race. She lost to her back on March 13th in her last turf race, which was a very strong effort. So that, that's a much, like you said, that's a much tougher than this kind of a group would be. And even, yes. even recently, Malibu Moira's race at Belterra in the slop wasn't terrible. Um, and behind a yeah. horse that's come right back to win next out. This is a horse who was facing optional tens at Keeneland just a couple starts back. Is really solid on both surfaces, on the dirt or on the turf, and probably even a little bit better on the turf here. I think that's the horse that I slightly lean towards and one that I, I'm definitely going to need in my pick five. Yeah, so I mean, I think th- I think this is all about the, the you know I don't I don't like any of the long shots in this in this yeah in this me too spot. it's just to me it's just how you're gonna you know where you're gonna make your single um, in the sequence and like I said I I you know I could make a case for all four of these yeah. probably Italia Northern Alliance and then Malibu Moira and our closure in that order for me but all all four of them are legit I think this, this is a pretty decent race for uh, the classification here. Completely agree. Yeah, I had him. I had him like three and eight, sort of stacked as my top tier of of horses, and then right behind them, the two you mentioned, the only price horse that I started to look at and wanted to make a case for, but I just I don't think I really could <clears throat> that much was the the six long legged Laverne, who maybe second start off the bench, gets back to the turf, has some actually has some solid turf races too. Um, so maybe if you if you're going a little deeper in this leg and this is one of your spread out races, or or maybe you come back and play your the the pick four different than you play the pick five because this is the the starting leg of that uh, 50 cent pick four sequence um, That was the only one I sort of agreed with you I'm always looking to try to find Any kind of a big bomb that we can That was the only one that I could even sort of make somewhat of a case for So um, Yeah looks like the inside three The outside horse will probably be on many People's pick five tickets trying to get through This sixth race As we uh, move along to race number Seven we've got maiden special weights In here these are two year old maidens They're going to go five furlongs so We've got a, a Bunch of first time starters only a couple Horses that even have experience And you have a horse uh, like the nine romancer For Steve Asmussen who has some Very very fast looking works uh, Recently over at Keeneland Yep and Asmussen has more of a Presence at Indiana Grand this year He's got a few more stalls I know this This uh, Colt has been training down at Keeneland But uh, Asmussen Has made it more of a Priority uh, running here at Indiana Grand than, than in years past. And this is a son of Carpe Diem out of an in excess mare workouts at Keeneland, the fast variety, uh, half to a horse named Tesora, who uh, won a, an allowance race at Delmar and a small stakes at Belmont Park in her career. Um, and so Romancer is a, is a half to uh, that, uh, that mare uh, that I mentioned, but there's so many different first time starters in here. Um, the one I know that I like um, is the four Oro Azteca for Gennaro Garcia. Anytime Garcia runs fast in the mornings, I kind of notice it. Mm-hmm. And that's what you got on May 7th. Yeah, it's not the fastest time in the world, but it was a bullet gate workout with a lot of horses that were on the track that morning. Yeah. So the fact that she has a bullet gate workout, Golden Sense out of a Pioneer of the Nile Mare is not bad. 
breeding for Indiana bred. So Oro Azteca is going to probably make uh, my ticket. Mm-hmm. And then there's a couple others from barns that, that, uh, you know, handicappers know about, but uh, they, they don't run huge numbers, overly critical uh, towards the outside. The 11 has a couple of fast workouts as well from the gate. And any time, you know, I try not to make that big of a deal about workout times unless I get them from the gate. At least, you know, they're starting from, you know, a, a standing still as opposed yep. to hitting the, the pole might be going 25, 30 miles per hour. So overly critical is interesting to me. And then stop the spread, I thought, um, is, is another one that has some, a bunch of fast gate workouts. And so we'll see here. It, you know, do you have trusted romancer for Asmussen or is this a race that you're going to you're going to want to try and, you know, cover all your bases? Um, it's it's a difficult race. It, I, I don't you know. I almost wish I almost wish this race was the first leg. And I know uh, some people don't like it when there's a bunch of first time starters buried deep in a in a pick five or pick six sequence. And, I, and in this case, I probably wish I could see some of the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and see where uh, where a lot of these get horses look at are. Look at our track too, warming up, you know, and and maybe and then worst comes to worst, like you kind of know where you are from there. And like you said, you get knocked out by a crazy variable, and you come back and play a pick four. This is a tough one, right in the middle uh, of the sequence. It is because the the approach that you mentioned is sort of how it has to be. You probably think. Romancer is going to take a good amount of money here So if you like Romancer You probably don't want to go three or four deep With Romancer and others uh, But there are some other really intriguing horses That you mentioned You know, like To me, I, I, the five stopped the spread The dam of this one was a four-time winner Both siblings were multiple winners And at first glance, you know You might just look at the past performances And see, oh, this barn hasn't won With a lot of first-time starters recently But when you dig into it This is a very capable barn first time out I think they like the sample size uh, on DRF was four for the last 37 with first time starters. So that that's really not bad at all. Um, the seven Gormley's got game who showed really good speed in the debut and, you know, any improvement at all, a little more finish, a little more fitness. We know that, that he's very quick. Um, if the one didn't have the rail draw, I'd sure like him a lot better I, in a, yeah. in a race like this in such a big field, it concerns me drawing the rail, but heck, uh, this horse's dam won twice, both on the grass, and she's produced five foals to race. Four of them have won, and the other only raced one time and was third. So a really, really solid group of runners that this dam has thrown. I the the rail does concern me, but uh, this is a this is a fun race, and it really does come down to from a betting standpoint. What do you want to do with Romancer for Asmussen? Because this horse does all does look very live too. Um, just four or five that I. I, I feel like could be very nice horses. Yep. And then you got a Philly as well, trying to beat the boys. Might as well mention her tranquil mm-hmm. times coming in from Kentucky. If, uh, you know, if, 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 the, if she was a, a Coulter gelding, you would probably place her in the mix place. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, he would be a him at the time. You yep. know what I mean? So, yeah, exactly. Uh, but I just, it's a Philly beating the boys. Yeah. It's early in, in, in the two-year-old campaign, but, um, I just want to throw that one out there as well, just in mm-hmm. case uh, people are wondering why why I haven't mentioned uh, um, the two, and that's the reason why. Just kind of like others uh, in in this spot. Yeah, uh, Oro Azteca with that sneaky work a couple back on May the seventh. One to throw in. This is a good pick four, pick five race, and probably one that there will be a lot of differing opinions and some separation. Probably many many people will say, oh, single Romancer and the Asmussen. You'll have others chucking them out. You'll have others uh, maybe using and then one or two others. 
in this tough pick five sequence. We're navigating through the pick five carryover sequence for Tuesday at Indiana Grand. Very lucky to have track announcer Bill Downs joining us as we are halfway through the sequence now and we're moving on to the back half. We're up to race number eight. We've got three year olds made in special weights going a mile on the turf course here. And we're going to have a heavy favorite in Rochambeau, who has been your beaten favorite. I think three times throughout his career He has six second place finishes In his 11 starts He comes in from fairgrounds And he's, he runs well all the time But this is a horse who you know he's faced some good horses too, but he's burned a lot, he's burned money, and he will again be uh, you know very live and taking a ton of cash here. Yeah, I, I there's no way in 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 heck I'm I'm going to single a horse no. like Rose Shampo. Just no. it's just not in my DNA. No. Um, if he beats me, he beats me. You know, goes to the Mambo was not far behind him in that race on March 21st. Uh, is in this race as well, so it's not like he has some huge. You know, class edge that uh, so great. My top choice in here is uh, going to be the ten horse Fe- February Sun for Tony Granite's last two races. Got taken off the turf, ran on the dirt, one on a wet track, one on a dry track. But I'm telling you, he's got some talent. He 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 looked like he was rounding in the form uh, early on in his uh, career, and and I you know that race on October the sixth, TD Dance. Uh, it's a Brad Cox horse who in 2021 yeah. won a, a fairgrounds allowance race on the turf and won the the, the James Murphy Stakes mm-hmm. in Pimlico yep. last weekend. So that was a pretty darn good race uh, that he he lost. Uh, he finished third on on October the sixth. So he's my top choice in here. Um, but there's there's a lot of if you really start digging, there's some interesting form uh, in this race. You got a horse like Weather Prayer. Uh, the rail for Ignacio Correas the fourth, who's been stabled here at Indiana Grand, has a has horses here this year. Lost to Hidden Enemy. Hidden Enemy was uh, fourth in the uh, uh, Churchill Downs American Turf yep. um, uh, back on on uh, Derby Day. I think it was Derby Day. Yeah, yeah, um, right. undercard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that race was you know losing to a horse like Hidden Enemy. Uh, that that's much better uh, than what he'll face probably overall in in this spot. Um, you know, the outside horse, one of the outside horses, just in time goes north. The last turf race wasn't that bad either. That was a fifth at Woodbine. And, you know, turf racing's excellent up there. That horse that won that race came back to win an optional claiming race next time on, did it yep. rather easily. And he might have turned out to be a really good horse, but he hasn't been seen since that, that next win. So it's hard to get a real gauge on, on how good that horse might have been. But then, you know, after that race, he finished dead last on synthetic then he had a layoff and then he ran in a race that came off the turf in indiana grand and you know just finished third but that's not that's not what we're doing we're on the turf so i think he's interesting at at a big price as well uh so for me so me this is a race that you know uh i not only am i uh getting i'm liking this race for uh the pick five i'm I'm liking this race for my uh single uh, race bets as well Mm -hmm. because i think it has a chance to, to be a, a big, big uh, price and uh, some big exotics on a total, you know, exactus tries supers. I would tell you, to, I wouldn't tell you to throw Rochambeau out. I'm gonna probably throw this horse out in my pick five and try to beat this one and and use some of the horses that you just mentioned. I mean, the five Ghost of the Mambo in that very same race on March the 21st, uh, Ghost of the Mambo had a slow start, moved up and 
on the inside But was behind horses Then had a tap on the brakes, stayed inside A big gallop out And was like only just slightly out finished By Rochambeau I mean if you watch the race, Ghost of the Mambo Was probably better down on the inside And had more to deal with I think there's some upside there um, The Six, the first time starter A a little intriguing for for Brad Cox This is a horse to a This one is a half to a horse named My Lady Curlin Who's a multiple graded stakes winner Who's earned 805,000 And who actually won her debut Going six furlongs on the dirt You think about her more of of like a a little bit longer But um, you know there's something A little sneaky there The nine hard knocking Um, Look at who a couple of his losses came to Annex, the really good turf Stakes winner And hard rye guy who showed some really good success over there at Turfway Park. He hooked up with a couple really nice ones. What's wrong with that runner-up effort at Keeneland in October, or the third place finish at Kentucky right right before that, going six and a half on the turf? Like those are both solid. You mentioned February Sun, who's on my tickets, because um, you know if I'm going to play against the seven, I'm going to spread out and use four or five in here. So I think I'm using the five, the six, the nine, the ten, and the eleven in my. I'm trying to beat this favorite race. Yeah, uh, I agree. It, it just, uh, you know, Rochambeau beats me, beats me. But yep, uh, yep. yeah, they're they're going to be uh, eight to five morning line favorites, and probably six to five or even money when it's all said and done that we like better. You know, yeah. <laughs> Yep, I can find those any day of the week, any track, anywhere around the country. Um, and this kind of a day, this will be a, a race to maybe go the other way um, in the fourth leg of this pick five. So after we uh, knock on wood, uh, beat Rochambeau, and we're on to this ninth and final, we've got Indiana Breads, three-year-olds, uh, maiden special weight, six furlongs, the distance. Um, who are some of the horses you need to try to close this thing out? Well, uh, uh, you know... Where do I start? Um, <laughs> yeah, this is this is a this was a fun race to to try and make a line, and then you know after I get done with it, I'm like, man, I like a couple of these horses that are potentially uh, big prices. I, I'll give you a, a a real bomb. I'll give you a couple of bombs to consider, and we'll talk about the favorite uh, and a, a couple of the logical horses as well. Uh, Indigo Rich, the three horse. Debuted at Indiana Grand in late October, went off as a huge price, showed a lot of early speed, was there for the last three sixteenths, and then faded back to sixth. Uh, you get uh, Andrea Rodriguez, who's uh, done some good things here at Indiana Grand, an apprentice. So you get the seven pounds on a, on a speed horse. On top of that, the race that uh, that he ran in on October 28th, not that bad at all. Yeah. Uh, the fourth place horse, Compass Point, came back to win next time out. And then a few too many came back to win an allowance race at Indiana Grand on uh, May 20th at a big price. So on top of that, I watched the, the head-on back of that race, Indigo Rich. A, he, he didn't, like, get hurt by this hop at the start, but he definitely did a little bit of a hop at the start as well. Uh, so I'll give him credit. He didn't you know, end up at the back of the pack. He was he, he came out running, but he definitely did hop at the start uh, watching the uh, watching the head on back. So Indigo Rich is for me I, in a race. I don't have a lot of uh, confidence in the morning line favorite Azaro Steel, but Azaro Steel is going to take the money. Like I'm telling yeah. you, he's going to take plenty of money. He finished a good third last time out. Smokey, Smoking Richie uh, was a first-time starter from the Larry Ravelli barn, uh, who was well meant, and it was on a muddy track. And you know, he had the, he's had the inside posts the last two times, so he's usable, um, no doubt about it. Um, 
five-star colonel. I'd have no idea what to do with him. He ran his best, you know, one of his better races, but it was just an amazing claiming race. New Barn, Mich Michelle Elliott Barn, Jermaine Bridgemahan has never been aboard this. Uh, Gelding is aboard. Um, but he's not completely, you know, out of out of the mix. Um, but here's a horse. This one, I, and I, it took me a while to, like, I'm like, I'm looking through the, everything one more time before I come on with you. And I'm looking at Hickory High, the six Right. Look I'm going to use owner him. Is. Yes. Yes. The art collector owner. Yes. Bruce I've... Lunsford. Three races. He's never beaten a horse. He got knocked around. He lost a jockey in his second race. So he keeps the horse all this time. They geld the horse. He's been no training. Drop. He's had yeah. all sorts of workouts since from since mid-April. They're not the worst in the world. And you get Pedroza aboard. So I'm using this horse. I, I am too because you know what? This is the type of horse who fits the template of a gelding. A yeah. horse that just he seems like he was kind of his own worst enemy. Slow starts, awkward, off, you know, maybe he just wasn't quite ready to run or like at that point of his two-year-old season. Now they've given him six months or so, steady tab. Just like you said, you got a, a an owner who could have very easily given up on this horse and just Yep. Sent him somewhere else, dropped him down into a really low spot. Instead, they've kept them. They put him in this spot where he's still protected. And it's not like there are any monsters in this group that you're scared of. I'd love to have a 20 to 31 shot like this on my ticket closing if you're alive here. Yeah, you know, it's almost like I I, I, I miss the owner when I did. You know, I make the morning line in Indiana Grand. So I, I'm, I'm supposed to, like, take in everything and, and come up with a number. I almost wish I, I, I had him, like, at 15 or something like that, just so if he gets bet at all, that I don't look like a fool. Maybe, you know, <laughs> put Blazing Justice at 4-1, to one, take those points, put him on Hickory High, and and then I don't look like a fool if it sort of gets bet. But uh, you're, at least, you're listening to the podcast, so you, you know what uh, my remorse is in case this horse uh, gets uh, gets bet a little bit. But, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, so Indigo Rich and, and Hickory High are, are two complete bombs that, uh, gosh, I got to throw them in there. Yeah. You know, I hate, you know, when you got the two big bombs like this, you know, I, I don't have a huge knock on Azaro Steel, but I'm not confident on him. Completely agree. Um, but he Completely. seems to be coming around, and I gave you the story I knew we lost to last time out. Blazing Justice has got speed in the outside, but he, I don't know. It's, uh, uh, you know, a, a lower profile barn off a. Of, a, a real long layoff. I guess the same thing as uh, Indigo Rich, but at Indigo Rich is going to be a much bigger price than Blaze and Justice. So um, that's how I see the race. It's 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 certainly a, a, a interesting race to, to end the sequence on. I think the only one that we didn't mention that I I, I want to throw a, a little love out there for is is the Seven Overjoy. Um, you know okay. he may finally get a fast track. Debuted, took some money, sloppy racetrack. Beaten, well beaten Comes back at Indy in May Tries the turf, well beaten Comes back again in Indy Just last week on May the 17th And again gets a sloppy racetrack They've never gotten a fast track with this horse Another positive is All three of his starts have been down. He's been drawn down towards the inside Where it's not the easiest for young horses Or horses who are a little inexperienced I think fast track Drawn towards the outside now I think he's a horse who may be able to just run a lot better than what we've seen from him here. And if he is in that like six to 10 to one range, that's a pretty fair price in a wide open race. Yep. I agree. You, you're convincing me on that one. So, uh, 
Yeah, really, really cool Pick 5 carryover sequence I'm saying the over on 250 Probably more in the, uh, like, closer to 400 range That would be, knock on wood, very, very good On a, on a, a Wednesday afternoon, middle of the week Where, or Tuesday afternoon, middle of the week Where, uh, would have been a nice quiet Tuesday But it's gonna perk up with this big Pick 5 carryover sequence Uh, Bill, I really, again, gotta, uh, gotta give it to you, man It's just been a, a great, I love seeing some of the tracks that um, are you know improving their product that are like doing things outside the box. Um, the uh, the drone cam yes. that they've got over there. The uh, the interactions with the stewards now after inquiries. Those are just things that are that tra- transparency. They make me as a better feel a little bit more comfortable playing your races over there each and every day. And like those are the kind of things I think that will continue to help racing moving forward. So I you know I give shout outs to. Um, all the tracks, because that was one of the things that I I enjoy covering and looking at all sorts of different tracks. Heck, I used to have on nights at TVG thoroughbreds, quarter horses, and harness races in my in my uh, my schedule for the night, and I'd be looking at three different breeds from five different tracks. So um, I, I'm I'm so uh, happy to see what you guys are doing over there and the great team you put together. And I, I look forward to uh, talking a lot about the Indiana races here on That's What G Said. No problem, Gina. I hope to talk to you again in the future. Bill, uh, give us your uh, your social media stuff. Where can we follow you on Twitter? You do a great job of uh, keeping us updated throughout the day, changes, scratches, all that kind of stuff. Yes, uh, at uh, Bill Downs One. It's all one word. Downs. There's an e in there, so it's D O W N E S. Bill Downs One. Once you see the uh, bald head, you know you've uh, found uh, <laughs> you found my uh, my uh, profile picture. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's uh, you know it's. It's probably 50-50 horse racing and other uh, silliness. Uh, so, but during the race day, yeah, I, I do. I try and do my best. Uh, you know, uh, late changes, like for example, late geldings, which people always get a giggle on when they say a late gelding change. <laughs> but you know, yeah. I just want to make sure you guys got the information and scratches. Anything else that, that uh, tickles my fancy carryovers? Like I knew right away that. Um, that we were on, on the path for that pick yep. five carryover. Yeah. Once that bomb hit, and then in the second leg, when the the, the heavy favorite, the four, went down and was sort of towards the back of the pack early, I knew we were in uh, in shape for a, a possible one. And yeah, you you gave me the heads up on that right away. Uh, you'll also find some uh, some sports stuff, some DFS stuff, some uh, some football stuff from Bill. I know he's a big basketball fan. You'll get a little bit of everything there when you follow yep. Bill on uh, on social media. Uh, it's always a great uh, time catching up with you, Bill. I really appreciate you giving me some of your time, and, and let's make some money on Tuesday. Sounds good. That is Bill Downs there. Make sure to give him a follow social media, and we'll be hearing his voice Tuesday calling those races at Indiana Grand. Don't go anywhere. We'll do a a little recap of the Tuesday sequence, and then uh, we'll move on to plenty more on That's What She Said. So big thank you to Bill for helping us out. Make sure to give him a follow there and all the great work they're doing at Indy and get those tickets in for the Big Pick 5 carryover on Tuesday. Some horses that I wanted to make sure to uh, remind you about one more time in the fifth, the four stroll in the bayou, who I'm going to use as a single in some spots. In the sixth race, the eight, Malibu Moira. Uh, in the eighth, the five, uh, Ghost of the Mambo. And in the ninth, the seven, Overjoy. Those to me are some must uses in your pick five sequence. And one more time, a big thank you to Bill for helping us out with that Tuesday Indiana Grand pick five. Make sure to get involved there. 
Um, we are going to head over to Canterbury in just a moment and check in with Angela Herman, talk about the Tuesday Canterbury Pick 5. Before we do that, we're going to talk a little bit about Old Smoke clothing.com quality clothing and merchandise that horse racing fans and those who love the atmosphere and lifestyle of racing will be able to enjoy when you use the promo code gino you will get free shipping on your order we're talking about high quality products rooted in the iconic symbols of racing and the racetrack experience T-shirts, horse names, polos, hoodies, long sleeves, zip-ups, hats, designer outerwear, uh, names of big races, slogans. You can show the horse racing fan in you. And that promo code G-I-N-O will get you free shipping. So the name Old Smoke Clothing actually comes from Old Smoke John Morrissey, the founding father of Saratoga. He was just a, a crazy character. You have to read up about this guy. An illiterate street brawler. He was a gang member, a cargo thief, a brothel bouncer, a political enforcer. He was an undefeated bare-knuckle boxing champion who somehow taught himself to read and write, and he found his way into serving in the U.S. Congress and the New York State Senate. And oh yeah, he orchestrated the inaugural thoroughbred meet at Saratoga at the age of 32. What a character in the... uh, the history of horse racing. That's who they've named their company after. Now, they've got a bunch of different great options there. It's not like you can just go to a, a store in the mall and it, there's a bunch of horse racing stuff for you. That's why you have to check out oldsmokeclothing.com. You get the bonus with the free shipping with the promo code Gino. But maybe you and your friends um, have something funny you say when you go to the races, uh, a catchphrase, maybe a horse that made you some money. Maybe you just want some shirts for a group of yours that had a big score. Check out their custom designs. You can get anything that you need done with the custom designs. They have the Old Smoke Clubhouse, which is a quarterly delivery package that will be delivered to you quarterly, obviously once a, uh, four times a year, uh, every couple months, and you get a t-shirt only available to members, a custom horse racing themed gift, other package fillers, you get headwear made exclusively for members once a year, designer outerwear made exclusively for members once a year, you get 20% off all of your orders at oldsmokeclothing.com, so this is your one-stop shop for everything you need when it comes to quality horse racing clothing and merchandise OldSmokeClothing.com Promo code G-I-N-O Gets you free shipping on your order Let's get to Canterbury Tuesday, get those past performances out Angela Herman joins me We're going to be talking May the 25th Tuesday And we're going to start in race number 5 We spend about 40 Yeah, 40 minutes or so Going through this pick 5 sequence Kick back and enjoy Week 2 of the Canterbury meet And we are on to Tuesday May the 25th, and we have that low takeout pick five, folks. We've been banging that drum. We have to get involved in all those low takeout wagers. This is something Canterbury has been doing for a while. In the last couple years, the pick five pools have really been growing. People are catching on now. Last week, I believe there was a pick five pool that was over $90,000 carried over to the next day. It was over $600,000 in the pool that following day. Huge prices, and to me, what I love about Canterbury is you get the grass and the dirt races both Sometimes uh, some tracks there You get a little chalky when it's dirt, 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 dirt races It's a really quick track It's hard to pass That's not the case at Canterbury Joining me to talk about this week's Tuesday Pick 5 And to talk a little bit about Canterbury Good friend of mine I think uh, 
Some of you probably know her from her days at Canterbury Where she was on track handicapping You probably heard her voice calling races up at Golden Gate Saw her over at Santa Anita Bouncing all over the place Very good handicapper And uh, she surfaced again the other day We saw her on-air host now at Canterbury Angela Herman How you doing, Angela? Hi, I'm alive, yes You know how many <laughs> messages I actually got That started with, you're alive yes. You're here <laughs> I know, I'm happy to be back And I'm happy to be talking to you again It's been a little while, thanks for having me So, could, I mean, honestly It couldn't have been a better start to the week I guess maybe, like, the lightning delay in the middle of the carryover <laughs> card Maybe that's, like, the, the only thing warning. But the track handled it as perfectly as you possibly could They just were very transparent about everything going on And wow, what a week with all that money pouring into those pick fives It was unreal I I know that they put together a good sequence of races But I don't even think that he could have drawn up that kind of carryover Leading to that kind of pool And then of course, Mother Nature having her say As she typically does (laughs) in our first couple weeks And bringing the tornado warning in But everybody was very diligent about getting things back on track They sealed the track. They made sure that everybody was okay with coming out for the last couple. And I'm really glad that we were able to do what we did, you know, without a multitude of scratches or anything like that. For all that we got thrown at us, I I mean, it really, really was a good first week. So I was thrilled to be a part of it. And if the weather gets better, it'll only get better from here. So Canterbury has been home for you forever. And it has been a track where... From, I mean, as long as I can remember, they've always been a track willing to try things And hey, try something, it works great, it doesn't work, you know what, okay, we're not going to try it again next year But as as far as like events to bring people to the racetrack, um, just kind of outside the box um, ideas And even years ago, they tried this with the low takeout before, it didn't immediately work, it didn't catch on There were issues with the signal and stuff like that, but the last couple years again it seems like it really has caught on I think last year and then even this year Like just last week leading up to the first couple Days there were a lot of people on social Media there was a really good buzz about The Canterbury racing right And moving the schedule To the middle of the week hasn't necessarily Gone over great with the local crowd But we are going to run Sunday to add in That weekend day that a lot of the locals Enjoy coming out to But Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Lowering the takeout and putting out A good product with full fields I mean, you you have to have all of the elements, not just one to draw Mm -hmm. that kind of attention. So I think that they worked really hard at trying to listen to people and give them what they want. Now, we can't always, always execute it the way that we wanted to, but they've done a good job thus far. And even this pick five sequence, though it looks difficult, I've tried to pare it down. But I mean, you saw some of the payouts. You look back and the horses make sense in some sense, but sometimes it can just be bombs away. And with those kinds of fields... They're fun to handicap and they're fun to keep coming back to because we have a long season coming and we run four days a week of races like that. It's going to be a fun summer. Yeah, it's a good thing to just kind of mark on your calendar for these days that you know Canterbury is racing. Um, handicap that pick five. Another added bonus that I really like, um, and, I, and I think someone like you too, when we're a, a public handicapper or when you're someone who's covering the races, it's so nice that they draw their entries really early. Uh, you know, yes. you get a couple extra days to handicap You get a couple extra days to kind of promote things And so, you know, you don't have to necessarily just worry about Oh, they draw the races on Wednesday for Saturday Thir- Wednesday night I'm busy, by the time I'm Thursday I-, I put something out, nobody can even hear it till Friday You know, that's what, it's so nice about Canterbury I, I 
you know, uh, noticed that a lot with Sam Houston, a track that I worked with earlier in the year. When you get those entries out a day or two earlier, it just gives you so much more time to kind of handicap, get everything done, and I feel really confident, get a good, like, good energy leading into a card. I totally agree. And with anybody who is doing public handicapping, it really helps to get yourself ahead of the game. And they just put out stuff for Sunday. We'll try to keep that going all through the season. There's a couple different diversions from our normal schedule, but either way, you can be prepared for it. It does make a big, big difference, especially if you're going to you know, play a couple tracks a day. You have one already taken care of ahead of time. I love that part of it, and I'm appreciative that they do that for us. So Angela is uh, talking with me um, like Monday afternoon. We're recording about the Tuesday night pick five. So just keep in mind things change over a day or sometimes scratches and everything come out. We're talking about this sequence like it is full. And we will start with race number five on Tuesday night. So get those past performances out and flip to that fifth race. We're looking May the 25th and a pretty difficult race to start off. I mean, geez, like you can honestly go five, six deep in here. You have... Uh, you know, you'd imagine that a horse like Big Falcon Rocket will take some money. Um, will to be lucky, gonna take a little bit of money. Tequila Blanco. I, I honestly don't even know who ends up going off favorite. I mean, maybe Big Falcon Rocket just with some okay recent form, but there are many to make a case for and many to make a case against in a spot like this because it's it's you know, you got one non three, right? It's basically like a non two. Yes. Yeah, and that the non three just well, there's a couple of non threes. Big Falcon Rocket and Tequila Blanco. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, he just ran last week. So really by virtue of this, uh Tequila Blanco really he got in. That was pretty sneaky because they did enter so early, but he won last week and he won on the main track. He fits the conditions beautifully. Right, exactly. Fits them a little too perfectly. Mm-hmm. But I wanted your opinion on a couple of these California horses because I know you follow things out there too. Uh, the Rail Horse and Tequila Blanco both recently called California home. Uh, yes. When you've seen horses move elsewhere, is there anything about these two that makes you think that they'll excel or maybe regress moving uh, elsewhere in the country? Yeah, Tequila Blanco I prefer uh, of of uh, Zorich, and I, I probably like slightly lean towards him on top in here. His turf form is a, a little sneaky, and it's overall just a lot better than it looks on paper. You see, like one for twelve, uh, just a couple seconds. But then go back a little deeper in the past performances and dig. Like those are all in California, um, most of them in Southern California, and a lot of them were like fine, like fourth place finishes. You know that that are actually pretty good against pretty good fields. The way this race seems to shape up on paper, I think. You know, Stone Secret is probably going to be forwardly placed in here, stretching out. You'd have to imagine a horse like Turn the Switch from the outside won't be too far out of it. Big Falcon Rocket, I think, is going to be close. Even a horse like Fun uh, and Funny. So I think Tequilo Blanco is going to get enough kind of a pace that he would need to come running in here. You mentioned sh- Super Sharp off of that uh, win last week. So you, you're in good form. You wheel back quickly. You have some good turf form to go to. And you probably get the setup of the of the California horses, I think I would much prefer the four over the one, just because it's Zorich just feels like such a wild card to me uh, off the recent form. I kind of scratch my head a little bit. Like maybe we'll get some pace from the inside. And Diodoro is like super capable. He's done this like millions of times with horses just like this and gotten him into the winner's circle. But I, I'd probably prefer the the four of the of the California horses. <laughs> Funny, I would prefer Zorich. <laughs> great, that, great. I know, I know. I do, I I feel like the rail draw might force Ty Kennedy's hand. Sure. I think that this horse can get the lead. If, if he sends this horse, it seems to be the best style for him. He's run well enough to win, but won't necessarily go by that last horse. 
do you think that if he uses some of his positional speed and just goes for it instead, that he can hang on? It is yes. a turf course that's that's played friendly to speed over the last couple of years. It was very, very hard um, just because we didn't get much rain over the spring. Now we've got a little late rain in the last week. It'll grow. It'll get a little bit more lush. But it, it was pretty firm leading into the opening week of racing. And I think that'll help horses like him and Will to be lucky along if they decide to go to the front. Yeah, I think the real key to the the race is maybe the horse right between them. You know, Stone Secret stretching out. Uh, what are the what's the plan going to be with this one? Who has shown a little bit more like tactical tracking style when sprinting, but now you're going to stretch out and and you're going to try turf for the first time. They do have a winning turf sibling, um, and it's actually going to be a, the the first mount I've noticed of the year for Hernandez, who's super capable. Has 490 career victories before. Um, yeah, I, I think he's the real wild card because. If you go with the two, then there are versions of this race where, okay, maybe all three of those inside horses get caught up. Maybe even the five, the seven, and the eight, like, are forwardly placed. But then there's a version or two of this race where, um, you know, they're all tracking a little bit. I think the best trip for Zorich would be use the speed, get position, and then try to sit second or third. You know, like, make them spread out a little bit early on Make them work to get by you And then you can kind of secure right there And and hope that you're just coming out of better races And have a little bit, like, a little bit more back class You know, sort of, uh, when the real running starts But, yeah, I, I don't think this is in any way, shape, or form Um, like a, a cinch single race I think, you know, so where do we stand with Big Falcon Rocket here Who's, I mean, at the very least going to be a pace factor I'm going to give him the race I think that Big Falcon Rocket is a horse who might Wants to get in with his state bred foes and might need a race off the shelf. He hasn't run since November. I completely respect Miguel Silva and his training. He's done a good job with Big Falcon Rocket. He's run some big races in the past, but I'm going to give him this one and hope that maybe when he gets back in with Minbreds of some sort, that he'll move up a little bit in my estimation. I would go one, three, and four. I completely agree with you on Tequila Blanco as far as the setup. I'm hoping that they just go with Zorich, a horse that's finished second or third 12 times out of his 25 lifetime starts. Not want to pass many horses in the lane, so I hope that Ty Kennedy just goes for it and sees what he's got underneath him. We also see Wright Eckleberry come back to Canterbury. Yes. Excited to see him. He's on Will to be Lucky. We haven't talked too much about him, but he's making a little bit of a drop, but it's still a more of a lateral move. I'd mm-hmm. say it's, it's a similar sort of condition. And he didn't run bad in any of his last three turf races at Turf Paradise. No. If he can get a good spot outside of maybe the two, if they decide to go, could set up well for him. So those are the three I think you need. And I'm going to give Big Falcon Rocket the race. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I don't need Big Falcon Rocket either. I'm. I'm fine playing against him to start. Um, the four Tequila Blanco. I'll have on all my tickets. I will have Will to be lucky. He said it was. It was like a kind of a weird race last time out. He kind of dropped back to almost about ten off of it, and then he moves in between. And then he sort of angles around And he looks like he's going to pick up some pieces And then just kind of like a non-threatening fourth But he just, it was like, it was a really weird um, Kind of mixed signals race But I, I don't think he's out of uh, I, I don't think he's out of place in this spot whatsoever um, I will throw in the two Probably on one or two of my tickets as just a wild card Because I think he's got some ability And I, would, I wouldn't be shocked to see him Sort of like sneak away Or just kind of end up being in that really good forwardly placed spot there Um yeah, I think, you know, the the horses that I had sort of question marks about, if you want to go maybe a little deeper on deeper tickets, were both the six and the eight. I didn't really know what to do with them, didn't love them. Um, I will probably throw Zorich in um, from the inside. But the, the real question marks to me were Hold the Spice, who he has races good enough 
to win or, or compete with this But it's just the layoff lines They have to be concerning Like you see three consecutive races in a row That are that poor And you have to kind of scratch your head and wonder I think you can probably excuse the Tampa races But they're also night and day Compared to facing Minnesota bred maiden And yes. it did take him a lot of tries To break his maiden There's not a lot of work here uh, Bernal Roan sometimes will use racing more To get his horses into shape I would give Hold the Spice a race up here too Dean Butler is well well versed on him now, but I don't know if his style is going to work out with this field at this point. I just don't know if this is the right spot at the right time to go for his first win of the year. I was interested in your opinion on Turn the Switch as well. Another California horse, well, as of December. Uh, have to Candy Boy, I believe, right? And, yeah. Uh, obviously, things gone a little different for him than his big brother, but he'll get back on the turf, and some of his back turf form would definitely win this race. Bruce Rican has won for 34 in the last five years off the claim. Sometimes takes a little while to get to know his runners, but some mixed signals coming from the outside horse. So I was curious on your thoughts. Yeah, I, the the leaving Peter Miller, Maves, you know, I don't love because um, he's definitely <laughs> someone that's hard to move up off of. But yeah. again, like this horse doesn't have to improve, really. Like if he just sort of runs some of his better races on the grass, that's no doubt good enough. Um, I, I wouldn't, if he is in that, like, Six, like between five to eight range. I wouldn't talk someone off of using him in the first leg of their pick five. Like I, I much prefer him than than even like Big Falcon Rocket. I think yep. you know I, I would I think he's got a more likely chance to win because he does have some positional speed. He does show that he can pass some horses too, right? He's not just like a oh doesn't get the lead and he's done type. So yeah, I think I've got him probably not as my top tier, but on. Like I might play one ticket where I even single the four And then I play another ticket where I use a few in here And and he's definitely on that ticket Turn the switch Like he would be in my top three to four in this range Yeah, I wouldn't mind throwing him in either You should probably get fair value And Brucey's one of the best guys at the track I always root for him And if he would win, I would want him on my ticket You'll probably get fair value for turn the switch So wouldn't talk you off him either that's uh, the first leg of the pick five on Tuesday We move to race number six, leg two of that pick five sequence This is the start of the 50 cent pick four If you get knocked out, you can come right back and play Or maybe you want to sort of uh, uh, play off of your pick five ticket And use some other horses that you didn't get the chance to use We've got a first level allowance, optional 12, six furlongs The distance in here And I mean, I, I thought another race where wild behavior is obviously going to take a lot of money. You got a sharp horse like Valiant Appeal who comes in from Sam Houston. I I got familiar with Valiant Appeal uh, over the last couple months. Um, towards the outside, Ship It Red will probably take some money. Kind of curious what kind of trip he will get though. He comes out of some pretty solid races. Even a horse like Bear Bryan comes out of good races, but hasn't been been great in the last few. And maybe it was because. I was watching the season finale of uh, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, but I got a feeling that Zoe's Delight can fall into a nice trip right here. Oh so, uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, how, how, how many horses or where are you starting in this uh, sixth race? Uh, I'm trying to get the picture of you singing along to your television <laughs> out of my head because we both know that happens. That was happening for sure. <laughs> well, yes, I know, I know. Well, I respect the inbreds in here. There are some very good ones, but. These are sometimes the races where I tend to overthink it and the horses that do stand out show it on the track. I mean, these horses will stick closer to form and I really could only find a couple in here. I just, I, I decided to go from trying a bunch that had speed to the two horses that really stand out. And those would be wild behavior and sky jumper. Now sky jumper 
hasn't run since May 20th. Obviously some issues there. Avoided claim, hits the shelf. Uh, Justin Evans worked this horse a couple of times last year at Albuquerque before putting him on the bench for good. And he's finally decided that after this string of bullet works, he's ready to come back to the races. Now, Justin Evans' numbers speak for themselves. He's won with three of his last five transfers over to him that were off for a long time. And a couple of these Baffert horses, former Baffert runners, he brought back to the races recently off 600-day layoffs. I think you'll probably recognize the name yeah. Zatter and Once on Whiskey. Yeah. Yeah, Zatter won, and Once on Whiskey was going a mile. He ran third, might have needed the race, but he's definitely bringing these horses in, ready to get back to some semblance of their old form. It's very interesting. Uh, not very interesting. It's impressive to see how these horses come back off that kind of rest. Uh, if you get six to one, I may eat these AirPods, but <laughs> I, I think that he's definitely a horse worth considering if you were considering singling wild behavior, because those two being next to each other might just race away from the rest of them. Yeah, wild behavior comes out of a really strong race. The runner-up, Aloha West, uh, just came back and won a first-level allowance at Churchill by uh, by five with a ninety-one buyer speed figure. So, uh, just That's coming, impressive. yeah, like just coming out of a monster race. And to be honest. Wild Behavior's race, okay, you look and you go, okay, it was six beaten seven. But if you watch the race, it was a lot better than it looks on paper. He actually made a four-wide middle move up to second, was within a length, and then he faded. It was going six and a half, maybe he just got a little bit tired, and we know the company was very, very tough. Now you're going to go third, start off the bench. Um, Yeah, if you think Wild Behavior is going to be tough in here, I would not talk anybody off of a chalky single. Um, you know, yeah. I, I think this is a super logical horse in a super logical spot and, um, you know, makes a, a ton of sense in here. Um, you, you gave another in sky jumper that someone use and, and maybe you don't like wild behavior. You, you want to go elsewhere. Um, let's talk about maybe a couple others that would be, uh, alternatives for people. Uh, you do have a sharp, uh, horse like Valiant appeal who won three in a row. And then last time out, I didn't really love the ride. He really, he wasn't asked at all for speed. He ended up closing and it was a fine third And it's a pretty strong race There were three next out winners in that race The winner, uh, Pickens Has won three out of four He just won a an optional 12 first level allowance uh, Horse in there, Tomato Bill Came back to win a first level allowance At Lone Star next out And then Jody's Angel uh, Won a 15 non three and then finished third Behind Tomato Bill in a first level allowance So Valiant Appeal coming out of some good races I just I worry about the trip. It does look like there's a pretty good amount of pace in here. Yes. The reason that I stand against Valiant Appeal is the same reason that I would stand against Make Me Blush. Both talented horses, both have speed, both land to the inside of Wild Behavior and Sky Jumper. And the inside of the track, at least for the opening week, and granted, it was it was wet and there was some curating that had to be done with it. It wasn't the best place to be. So I prefer to take horses with outside speed. Very common angle, but Wild Behavior and Sky Jumper, from that perspective, landed in better spots than either of the inside two horses. Take nothing away from them. I think that Wild Behavior and Sky Jumper just got the better from the post position guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, let's see. For from an underneath standpoint, those of you playing Exacta Supers tries stuff like that. Um, I don't know if either the five or the ten is good enough to win this race, but they do intrigue me a little bit from a, a price standpoint. From horses that may be getting the the benefit of race shape in here, I do think that Bear Bryan won his debut. 
Showed us a little bit something there And then they end up stepping up and trying Like much tougher, Queen of the Green At Tampa on, in February was uh, Ended up finishing fourth in the grade two Edgewood So that's a lot, lot better And then Bear Bryant drew the rail and was forced in And had a brutal start If you just take toss those last two races And are playing him solely off of his maiden win Numbers and figures are a little low But at least we know he can pass horses In a sprint and Quinones, I've been so impressed with him Someone who struggled out in Southern California for a while And at Canterbury He just seems like he is like I very rarely see you Him giving a bad ride He always seems to be in the right place at the right time A really nice start to the week for him So I thought maybe some under horses in the 5 And the 10 Samurai cause Who at least we know they can pick up some pieces And pass some tired horses late Yeah, I I think you make good cases for both of them. And you following Sam Houston could make a better deduction of how Maiden Special Weights stack up against non-four, stack up against 15. Valiant Appeal and Samurai Cause were pretty far apart the time that they raced, Mm -hmm. but the pace appeared to favor Valiant Appeal over Samurai Cause. If things completely fall apart, I, I would definitely consider throwing in Samurai Cause if you think this turns into a massive five, six horse speed duel. It very well could. But more often than not, one or two horses will just yeah. separate themselves from that duel instead of all five or six of them falling back. That's what and I envisioned. If you if you don't, Samurai Cause might be a decent price, but I doubt you'll get 10 to 1. Because I think what, what makes your uh, point, I think what flatters your point even a little more, is like wild behavior is he doesn't need the lead. He can track plenty, mm-hmm. plenty fine. And I think that's right. actually his best trip is just like tracking just off a horse. So if he lets... Who, whoever go to the lead if it's Valiant appeal and he just tries to track Right behind or he sits third behind the two inside Horses I don't like that's not a trip That I'm worried about with him sometimes you see uh, A horse who's like a uh, Going to be a heavy favorite and they've shown some speed But they're that totally one dimensional Type speed and that you don't even get the feeling That they can track off a horse that's not Really him No, no I agree but yeah I think that He could get really whatever kind of trip Dean Butler wants to get with him and yeah. I will Say just to add to that too Joel Burnt doesn't use Dean Butler very often. They haven't teamed up a whole bunch over the last five years. But when they've raced on dirt, they've won three or four together. They actually won the last race of the week last week. And wild behavior may just be a a continuation of that trend together. If they keep going this way, they're going to have an excellent summer together. Before we move to the seventh, just uh, one more uh, thought on this one. Uh, We were talking, you were talking about, um, some of the barns who have been really impressive off of long layoffs. Just a shout for the eight, Zoe's Delight, who the Rangsdorf barn um, has been very good off of plus 180 days. In fact, they won with two horses at this meet already off of a plus 200 day layoff. She may be, or he may be, a couple low um, as far as just the, the quality of some of the, the the better, maybe the three and the four, are just a little bit better on with their A game. But this is a horse who actually has fired well sprinting. If they go quick, another one who could fall into a nice trip, proven at Canterbury, and a barn who get you know get them firing. So uh, my uh, Zoe's unfortunate playlist uh, aside, <laughs> joke because that is a damn good show. I gotta say, I would just really, really love it. <laughs> I do think this Very horse is much another. You, I know, right? I just, I like, I get laughed at. My girlfriend will just be like, "God, you're such a cornball." Like I'm like clapping up. I stand up and I clap during scenes because oh, I'm so excited as things are happening. <laughs> So it's just uh, It's just great but yeah another one You mentioned the barns and that's something that I think we have to keep an eye on early in the meet Some of these barns are very Good with getting horses coming off of a long Layoff they prime and they prep Their horses for Canterbury so they've been getting them Even though they haven't been racing they've been Getting these horses ready to fire a big one 
Well, Tony actually has had an excellent start to Canterbury over the last few years. You know, he had always done pretty well. Um, he trains for the Sampsons, he trains for Winchester Place, and of course, those are a couple of farms that do take aim at this meet. Now, a few years ago, I think he started off the meet 7 for 26 with horses shipping into Canterbury. You know, 27% is great, but then two years ago, with horses coming up here for the first time, he jumped up to 40%. He went 6 for 15, I mean, over the last two years, that is. And all of those wins came last year. He went 6 for 12. When he brought horses in here for the first time, he was yeah. hitting at 50% to start the meet. Yeah, I should have said the last couple of years. So we had a little technical difficulty as we were singing <laughs> Tony Rangstorf there. But uh, uh, as you were saying, Angela, really like last year was was unbelievable for Tony, bringing horses in to Canterbury first time, winning off the bench, um, just firing like at an like, incredible clip. Well, yeah, and those were those were shippers. So he he brings some horses up from Oakland Park that are sometimes a little blackened by their form down there just because of how tough the races are. It can be a little bit different from Minbreds, you know. Sometimes they don't ship in here. Zoe's delight being one of those that has probably spent the winter on the farm, and you just got to get a look at him on the track with a lot of these Minnesota breds that haven't shipped elsewhere to race for the winter. Get a look at him. It's just like any other state breds. They have a season. They they put on winter weight, they get a little shaggy sometimes, and they'll need a couple races to get back in shape. You just don't know where exactly they're at in their fitness until you see it for yourself. So get a good look at Zoe's Delight. Know that he comes from a barn that can have them ready, but be a little forgiving if he does need a race or two, as he just hasn't been out since August. We are going to move on to race number seven, third leg of this pick five sequence. Now, this is the race where I need your help the most because I don't have the strongest opinion here. Um, I think it is worth mentioning that the five calculated risker is cross-entered. So, again, we're recording this on Monday. Calculated risker is cross-entered in this one and also in the pick five for uh, Wednesday. So you'll know, obviously, by the time you're putting your pick five tickets in if that horse is in or not. Where do you start in race number seven? Well, I'll add to that that Chess Candy, the outside horse, is also cross-entered in the same race awesome. as Calculated yep. Risker. Um, both of them had more dirt form, and they're entered in a dirt race. So I would expect if we don't take the races off the turf tomorrow, both of them would probably scratch and go in the Wednesday race. So I didn't factor them in, even though Calculated Risker looked like he was going to get a good setup. A lot of these horses come out of a, a common race on April 7th. I'm sure you've watched that back. Yeah. And you'll get some mixed signals from everybody in the field. I didn't get the best indications from the favorite in here, Shinny. I'm wondering if Shinny doesn't actually prefer being on the main track, which he came back to win at after that April 7th race. So I didn't use Shinny. I actually went a different direction entirely, tried to toss him out of this, and I went three, six, and eight. I used a couple of the horses out of that race. I'm an eight. Has some pace to him, has a win over the local course, and Be Gone Daddy is one that could probably pick up some pieces if they do get going up front. It looks like they could. Jerry's yeah. Joy has some sprint speed. I'm an eight, has some speed. I thought it set up more for the eight, but our turf course being what it is, it might not matter. And I'm an eight might just pick up his second win in his fourth start. Yeah, we, we were kind of similar. Like, I, I don't I don't love Shinny. Um, I thought he kind of got a it was a kind of a weird ride, but it was Kind of faded. I didn't. I just didn't love the trip uh, that April seventh race that you were talking about. It didn't it, it inspire me. I much prefer. I'm an eight. I think I lean this direction because I think he's got. He just feels like the most consistent, and I'm totally 
fine with tossing his last race going a mile and seven eighths. Just put a line right through that and look at the three prior races uh, before that. That that's like more consistency going long on the grass than basically all of these other horses have been giving you as of late. So. I think you have to use the three in your pick five sequences, um, depending on what you want to do with the four shinny. Like Angela and I both don't need shinny, so maybe this is a race where you try to get a little more value. I'm glad you mentioned. I think the eight be dad be gone daddy is probably like a must use too because this did look the best coming out of that April seventh best coming out of that April seventh race, and just anything close to that a repeat would make him pretty tough. The what the one I'm glad you mentioned was the six Sir Brahms because he does have. Some turf form to go back to That would absolutely win this race And if he is in the 10 to 1 range or so And this is a race where we don't like Shinny He's a great horse to throw into some late exotics Absolutely And he's ridden by Ruben Fuentes Who's been doing well early in the meet Yes, Even if he hasn't been blowing them away with all wins I mean he doesn't have more wins than Alonso Quinones He's been giving good rides To horses at prices And he's been getting his horses in the right spots You mentioned Sir Brahms has some Perform way way back you have to go back To Maryland in 2019 But he's run some races at this Relative level that would put him In the mix I, I think that Sir Brahms Is one who will come to life Perhaps with the surface change and Stretching back out you can see how many Sprint races he's had recently Maybe he can use some of that uh, Positional speed going two turns And put himself in a good spot at a price For a race where I don't have a firm grasp On anybody else that April 7th race saw the entire field finish within four or five lengths of each other. Not a great sign. I was looking for an alternative. And at a good price, I think he might be it for me. Sir Brahms is one that I would consider a, a win bet on if I can get the right price on him. Yeah, and I mean, just from like an overall like, like perspective, right? If, you're, if you've got a bunch of horses that come out of similar races, they seem like they're evenly matched. They seem like there wasn't all that much between them. Like, you look for the prices. Look for the horses that were the the better prices that are coming out of there. Like I don't, maybe the one thing you take from both of uh you know me and Angela from this race is we don't need Shinny. I don't think we need Shinny. This is a race where you know you can maybe spread out, or if you're going to use Shinny and a couple else, a couple others. But this would not be a race that I single the four, which means the four is going to win by ten. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) that is that's. Pretty simple now as we give yourself uh, an awful lot of power over I was gonna say athletes. I can't hear what you're saying, but oh. his race on the turf is just so different from any of his races on the main track. I can't I can't get on board with it. I mean he ran well two back on the turf, but I thought he was almost getting um pulled up a little bit in the April seventh race. And obviously they've cured whatever ailed him in that race when he won next out. But I don't know if it had something to do with the turf, if it had something to do with anything that happened, whatever it was, uh, the horse isn't talking if we ask him. So (laughs) at the price that you're going to get on him, I think he's worth playing against. With Notorious Nick in here, with Jerry's Pride and Joy, with I'm an 8, with a lot of elements in here that are probably going to work against him getting the trip that he wants, I'm willing to play against him. We are going to move along to race number eight, start of your late double at Canterbury on Tuesday night. And we're looking at 10,000 beaten claimers. These are three year olds and up, which have never won two, or the Minnesota Reds, which have never won three. But, uh, you know, when we look at this field, it is all a non two. There are actually, uh, yeah, there are no, uh, no mini breads in here for the non three. We actually do have a maiden drawn towards the outside. This is a race where. I I, I kind of like a horse a bit And um, I, I, this is one of those races Where maybe I can get a little bit of separation But I do 
think that the three JJ's crown uh, Cutting back to five after going a mile the last couple starts I think this is going to be a good trip for him He's gone five and six before And he was right up in the mix uh, Kind of battling throughout I think he'll get a little more of a tracking trip From just off in here today To me he feels like a horse who could fall into a really nice spot The very logical greater Cairo is the seven The blinkers on coming there um, and, and you know I guess it comes down to Is he going to no doubt be the quickest horse Coming out of those Oaklawn races Does he get the chance to clear this field I thought he would I've yeah. seen it's, it's so many come out of this blueprint from the Robert T. Exactly. Theodoro barn where he claims them, runs a bang up race in his first start for them. The second start, he's going to take a drop. He's going to cut back in distance. This just seems like a very, a very tailored race to greater Cairo. So as much as I tried to work around him, I have seen too many of these horses run the rest off their feet, win by about five and do so at odds on. I, I wish that there was a way around him for me. I'm glad you found something. But looking up and down the field, it just didn't look like anybody could give this horse a true challenge early. There are only three. Um, I think I'm going to be using in, in different combinations of pick five tickets. Uh, the three, the four, and the seven. So the seven, no doubt. Uh, Angela just told you why this horse is going to be really, really tough. I, I gave you a little bit on the three. The four was, to me, the uh, the one who... You know, coming out of some of those Arky bred races, never really know how how good those races are going to stack up with Open Company. But as far as a horse who has some positional speed, like he showed zero early speed in his first few starts, I like the fact that coming back into 2021, he did show a lot of improvement. He wasn't ten lengths out of it anymore. He was three or four lengths kind of tracking. So I don't, I think he can stay within striking range here. I don't know if that means he's good enough to beat a horse like the 7 Greater Cairo, but if Greater Cairo loses this race, it is probably because he goes too quick early on and he ends up battling with a lot of the other speed horses. If that's the case, then sure a horse like Prince Leo can pick up some pieces, can absolutely, you know, hit the board. You're going to go for a, a barn who uh, fight on Gino, shout out David Van Winkle from years <laughs> back uh <claiming. laughs> um so Aww. Prince, yeah, Prince, uh, Prince Leo. I would at least be using in under spots as a horse to pick up pieces, but uh, I did think like three and seven. I felt like were were must uses for me um, trying to get through this leg of the pick five. And for a lot of people, it'll probably just be the seven. And I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even talk you off singling Greater Cairo in here if you have to. I mean, this horse just missed in a in a much tougher spot last time out, drawn not towards the inside. So for a horse like him, he can. I wouldn't be shocked if he can just sit off a little bit too and, and press if he was having to And then just kind of put the field away And just get sort of handled like a horse who's better than the rest You know I would guess that that's what they're going to do When you look up and down the field there are speed horses But not his brand of speed He is so quick And if it was six I would definitely give a longer look to horses like Prince Leo But considering it's five Great point. I think Greater Cairo can handle that He did get stuck on his left lead When he was coming down the stretch in that April 30th race He didn't switch Vasquez tried everything that he could And he only got run down by a head But that was six, that was at Oakland This track may play even better Into his hands and the blinkers May keep him on track for the entirety Of that five furlongs I know that it was a speed favoring track But Canterbury to a degree is as well So Greater Cairo has a lot going for him And either I'm going to single this kind of horse Or I want him out of the mix completely So in this particular case I decided to single 100% that's that's the only right way To build your, your tickets it's single the chalk Like that or you're completely tossing 
And the only really time where you're going to go like ABC is maybe if you've got like a really big price horse later on in your ticket somewhere that you just want to make sure you get to. Um, because otherwise, it just it doesn't make sense. There are plenty of opportunities for us. You don't have to play scared. And uh, that's one thing we see with a, a lot of your tickets too. You've never been one that feels like you need to use all the the chalk in every single race. It's just it's just not going to be a, a long term goal for uh, as far as success is concerned. Um, Absolutely. Let's get into the ninth and final We're going to be alive in this pick five We're going to be closing in race number nine First level allowance, optional 12 Six furlongs on the dirt um, Who are some of the horses we need in this final leg To close things out I gotta say I singled again I have a very cheap pick five ticket And granted I would play this Multiple times but I want your argument against things Falling into the punch's lap now, That's the single for me <laughs> yeah, okay. There's no yeah, argument okay. You were supposed to argue with me I was going to say, I can't argue there Gets the trip, uh, was in between Got shuffled and then had to angle around Chasing lone speed last time out It just, like you see the way This race shapes up on paper You've got Dare Felix who's fast you got Harry Keep the Change who's fast Discreet Tiger is going to show some pace All Shacked Up is going to show a little bit of pace Yankee Indian's going to show a little bit of pace And it's Mr. Not Funny is going to have to show Some at least from the rail And he's not as quick as others It just, it feels like To the Punch just falls right into it It does And Discreet Tiger drew well for this I respect Discreet Tiger because of just the raw ability But To the Punch does have Some recency on him he does have that off the pace style that should work to his favor. And to the punch just ran into good horses. He comes yeah. out of the stake race. You know, there's no discredit in running the race that he ran. He is consistent and he comes from a barn that's going to win a lot of races, even though they don't have the biggest stable. Uh, Jose Silva Jr. is not afraid to put horses in exactly where they belong. So even though he ran it in stakes twice in a row, I think he's not afraid to lose this horse in order to put him in a spot where he can win. He has Tequila Blanco earlier in the card. It's a name that you always want to keep an eye on because they do place their horses in good spots. And I think that Tooth Punch is in the right spot, both pace-wise and class-wise. Yeah, I mean, you got a nice race over the track here last year behind a really sharp horse at the time. Um, I think there are just plenty of things to like about To the Punch here. And I'm, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to play... Uh, and, and be singling here And what's nice is you know you can If that is the case um, And Angela had a couple different singles throughout the ticket But when you have a horse that you single at the end You can play maybe one ticket where you Sort of use a lot of the horses that were On your radar just to get to your single Then you can kind of go backwards the other way And maybe in the race where you single at the end Maybe you feel like using one or two more And you go back and maybe you single in the eighth race Where, uh, where Angela mentioned or in a different spot That's sort of the way I like to play uh, my pick five tickets, I'll always have a few in I'll kind of play them off of each other a little bit And hope that if my strong opinions hit I can hit that thing three or four times And if not, if one of my singles hits Then, you know, you throw a few prices in Maybe that's where you get some chaos Like we uh, like we saw last <laughs> week A big, you uh-huh. know, you can get chaos Any day of the week uh, over there at Canterbury when, uh, And it'll lead into a could you imagine? Could you believe that thing was There was that much money in the pick five pool From the carryover, all, oh, like $100,000? I... I knew that there would be some support And I am so <laughs> so. I, uh, thank you Thank you to everybody that jumped on and supported it Because I know that a lot of people That had not given a glance to Canterbury in the past Looked it over Hopefully liked what they saw Because it is a little more difficult than it looks And we'll keep playing Because it is a very unique uh, setup And a unique mix of a lot of trainers From all different points of the country You know, we're not on a circuit for any one sort of group of people. Point. 
it's not like we go from Northern to Southern California. People come from all over. And if you can find an angle, and there are a lot of them that you can jump onto, it, it can be a fun place to play. And multi-race wagers go the way of that more often than not. And especially with the turf racing, there's just, there's a lot of fun to the races, both for on-track people with a lot of the different promotions that we do. I know that our uh, docks and races and other events like that get shown sometimes even on sports center but <laughs> um, there's also a lot for the gambler so hopefully we've moved some good elements in that direction as far as the pick five the pick six and people can have a lot of fun with those wagers getting back to the ninth race i want to say if you notice our track is entirely speed favoring if nobody's passing if it looks like to the punch has no shot you don't like discreet tiger uh, Harry Keep the Change is an interesting horse for me because Kerry Raven just claimed him. He's going to come off the turf, of course. He's run well enough on Tampa's main track. I, I'm getting rid of the Gulfstream race because that just might have been a little bit too much too soon yeah. for him. Uh, he lands to the outside of Dare Felix. Discreet Tiger is to his outside, but I'm not sure he's quite quick enough. Can Harry Keep the Change run them off their feet if it's that kind of track? He's legit fast legit fast and i would throw he would absolutely be a horse that i would throw it if i wasn't going to single the four he would be like with the second or third horse i include yeah i'm with you and if there are a couple of scratches of speed horses he moves up a couple notches in my estimation i don't know 100%. if he'll even be six to one but that would be the next way i would go dare felix runs very well fresh and i know that dean will get him going to the lead but i'm wondering if he can outrun harry keep the change to the front end if i was to add another horse I think Harry Keep the Change would be it over Discreet Tiger. But if you are looking for more options, if 1350 isn't rich enough for your blood, consider the three <laughs> Harry Keep the Change because he's very quick, hasn't sampled this track. And if he loves it, he could be gone from the start. So, uh, Angela, it was a, an unbelievable start to Canterbury last week. And uh, I asked you to come on and talk with me for about 15 minutes. And I think we went for about 45 <laughs> because that's just the way we're always going to go when we uh, start chatting. Um, this Welcome is uh, friendship, everyone. I know, <laughs> I know, um, and uh, I really look forward to uh, talking a lot about these Canterbury races over the next couple months because they're some of my personal favorite races to play. We as horse players, we like to complain, we like to whine and moan, but then <laughs> when tracks actually do the things we ask for, we don't step up and show support. And I think we really have to do that. Everybody, like I'm a big takeout snob. I'm always one that's talking about if there's a low takeout pick five instead of a pick four, get involved in that. And so I'm going to make sure to do, uh, to do my part here To give a lot of coverage and a lot of love to Canterbury um, We're actually going to be talking with Dave uh, Handelin Who had an awesome week last week He hit that big pick five um, He's going to help us out covering the Wednesday pick five sequence in just a bit So we'll have a lot of coverage for Canterbury on this episode of That's What G Said And uh, I think we'll have to be bringing you back uh, uh, plenty throughout the meet To talk some Canterbury And uh, heck, I'm sure you're probably getting excited too uh, Football season and those Vikings coming up soon Not too far away oh, Those heartbreakers don't even remind me We're, we're still waiting on the wild They're uh, oh, yeah. rain at the moment Yeah, There you go they, there you... Yeah, they play again tonight So I'll be watching them intently I'll be watching Canterbury through the week And uh, Dave is great Super Stats Dave if you follow him on Twitter Is an awesome handicapper And I'm, I'm glad that you have him in the mix uh, oh, yeah. He's wonderful and he will guide you in the right direction I will say later this week we have Northern Stars preview night. There's going to be a few stakes on the turf, the Brooksfield, the HBPA distaff, and the Honor the Hero, all with $50,000 pur purses. 
that are going to be a preview for a turf festival that we have coming up in June. So you'll get to see some of our better turf runners all coming together for one set of races on Thursday. If turf racing is your thing, that's definitely one worth taking a look at. And where can we follow you on social media and stuff? So if we need some help on Thursday, uh, we can get that. I am at Angela Herman 15 on Twitter, and that is the extent of it. If you see me on Facebook, if you see me on Instagram, that is not me. So uh, <laughs> that, that is the extent of my social media, but I would love to interact with you if you would like to give me hell for my picks, if you would like to ask any questions, if you have any comments on my attire, whatever it is, feel free to reach out to Angela Herman 15. I am there. Angela Bra, it was such a a blast uh, talking with you I appreciate it And uh, we'll have to get you back in a few weeks Good luck on Tuesday I'll be going back and forth with you Hopefully we can uh, make some money for some of the folks out there I hope so Keep on rocking with That's What She Said You're doing a great job And I appreciate you having me Thank you so much You're going to hear Angela back here Talking Canterbury with me Again real soon Make sure to give her a follow there And uh, don't go anywhere We're going to wrap up Tuesday And uh, we're going to continue on This That's What She Said train As we roll on to Wednesday Thank you to Angela helping us out with that Tuesday Canterbury pick five. We will talk to Angela again in the coming weeks and uh, have her back to handicap. We're going to hopefully get Brian Aragoni on uh, to handicap some Canterbury. I think Dave Lento is going to help us out. We'll continue on with uh, Dave Handelin, who we have uh, in just a bit. But we have uh, a couple plays at Grant's Pass. Let me give you just a a sort of a recap there uh, on Canterbury on Tuesday. In the fifth, Tequila Blanco, must use for me. Um, in the sixth, probably include Zoe's Delight on, on your tickets. The eight, um, in the eighth, JJ's Crown is a must-use for me. And in the ninth, two, the punch, uh, likely single for me. And that was one that Angela also liked. So that's your Tuesday, Canterbury. Good luck in the pick five there. And uh, we head over to Grant's Pass for Tuesday. Going to give you a few plays there. Big shout out to Jason Beam calling the races up at Grant's Pass. And we will start out in race number one. With the five, my girl Coco. So get those past performances out. May the 25th. They're going to go five and a half furlongs. You've got some Oregon bred three-year-olds and up 10,000 non-twos. My girl Coco is going to go second start off the bench, is drawn outside of the other speeds after facing open company last time out and flashing speed and then stopping, is back in with Oregon breads. And I think she might be the quickest in here. That race under her belt, a little more fit, the number five, my girl Coco. If we can get around seven to two or so, uh, we'll make a win wager there in the opener at Grants Pass on Tuesday. Let's move to race number five at Grants Pass on Tuesday. There are two horses in here who I'm looking at, and I'll probably play uh, some exotics around the the four and the seven. I prefer the seven a little bit. Aotearoa. This is a horse who actually, uh, I on June the 14th, if you look back at his past performances. Uh, June the 14th, 2015, that was my last day working at TVG, and I'd, I had to do an Inside of the Mind of a Horse Player segment. The last horse I ever gave out on the air when I was still working there was this horse, Aotearoa. Um, he ended up winning at 9-1 to that day, so I'll always remember him, and he just got a lot of back class. This is a really good spot for him. He, he probably is a a little bit better going a little longer But look at some of his recent races He's one going six He has a couple wins going five and a half uh, You know, w- way back uh, A while ago And I think there's enough speed to set it up for him He's definitely the class I mean, see, he's over four to one Makes a lot of sense in here I think uh, as he rules 
the one who was just behind uh, who's just behind him last time out is also a horse who makes a lot of sense. So I'm looking at both of the uh, the Wheeler runners in here. Seven four in the fifth at Grants Pass. We move to race number six at Grants Pass, and I'm looking at the nine Keen James. I think there's enough pace to set up for him. He is consistent. Faced Allowance Company last time out in with the Claimers and prior to the Grants Pass race was over at Turf Paradise in some fine races. The overall Grants Pass form is pretty good. He was behind a runaway winner last time out. Let's use the number nine, Keen James in some exotics. And if we can get over three to one, we'll make a win wager on that one. So three plays on Tuesday at Grants Pass in the opener, the number five, My Girl Coco. In race five, the number seven, Aote Roa. Uh, we'll use with the four in some exotics. And in the sixth race, the number nine, Keen James. Those are our Grants Pass Tuesday plays. We are going to head on over to Wednesday and we're going to talk some Wednesday. Indiana Grand Late Pick 5 Andrew Champagne joins me So let's get to May the 26th Get those past performances out And flip to race number 5 Kick back as we chat for uh, 35-40 minutes or so On this Pick 5 sequence Enjoy And for a couple days this week Canterbury for a few days this week I just say bring in the righty Gentleman who uh, got a game-winning hit for me a few years back on Fourth of July. He's going to come in and help us out with the Indiana Grand Prix You know, I'm doing okay. I really appreciate you having me on. I'm diving into this Pick Five sequence, and there's a lot of fun things to talk about as far as what happens on Wednesday. One note before we move forward, though, the weather forecast for Wednesday a little bit iffy. They're saying it's a 60% chance of rain. And one thing that I have learned over the past couple of years in following Indiana Grand is, and this is not a knock on the racing product. It is not a knock on anybody there who does tremendous work. If it is raining anywhere in the state of Indiana, it is pouring in Shelbyville, Indiana. (laughs) So just adjust your handicapping accordingly. I'm moving forward as if the turf races will be on the turf. I certainly hope they stay on the turf because there are some really good betting races on the grass in this sequence. It's a really, really good sequence, Gino. That's what uh, Bill mentioned also, that there could be a little rain in the forecast on Wednesday. So glad that you got that out of the way. Uh, Always keep that in mind when you're handicapping uh, early. And Andrew and I are recording this on Monday night, so we are actually a couple days out. So we haven't even um, seen what happens in that big Tuesday pick five carryover. Heck, we could be talking about a massive two-day carryover and not even know it, Andrew. How cool would that be? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's for darn sure. We we could be walking around lucky and not even know it. There you go, Dreyfus. So uh, we move into the fifth race. Those of you who want to follow along, get the past performances out for Indiana Grand for Wednesday. We're looking May the 26th, and we start out in race number five with... Oh, oh, those of you who have no clue what I'm talking about, which is probably 95% of you, that's the... Uh, the entrance theme song for Shinsuke Nakamura, the king of strong style. Andrew, we've got the number one strong style to kick off our horses here uh, in this first race. But this is, to be very fair and to be very honest, not the strongest race in the world. That's putting it very kindly. Now, from <laughs> a wagering perspective, all kidding aside, if a horse other than It's the Sunrise or Benny's Legacy wins this race, 
this pick five might carry. Mm-hmm. You look at the other horses in this field, strong style running reasonably well wouldn't be too much of a shock. The effort to starts back wasn't terrible, but you look at the other horses in this field and you see horses, two of which are coming out of races with negative zero buyer speed figures. <laughs> one has a 17. Another one has a 17. It's a two horse race, at least on paper. I'm going to single number four. It's the sunrise here, dropping back into a $10,000 tag after running reasonably well against state bred maiden special weight foes, anything close to the race two back. And I think it's the sunrise wins for fun. Benny's legacy just does not do it for me. There's not a lot of early speed with that particular horse. I respect the barn. It's an 18% outfit. Maybe the class drop will wake him up. But there's not a lot of early speed in this race, and I think it's the sunrise sits the trip he needs in order to prevail in career start number nine. But my goodness, if you can make a case for any horse in this field other than those two and possibly strong style, you go deeper than I think either of us will. And if you're right, we tip our caps to you and we hope you get paid. Yep, the only thing I'm doing sort of differently than you is the I'm going to use the one and the four Because I do think the four, and if you're playing on a smaller ticket And you were looking to single and stuff The four is a totally logical single I just much prefer the four over the two Benny's Legacy You got a legitimate excuse for it's the sunrise with the slop last time out This is a horse who has better races than that Multiple better races than that And then anyone in the field Um, And I, I just think it's the sunrise with the speed advantage that you said I wouldn't actually be shocked if he ends up like sitting second. I, I, if strong style from the rail tries to to break well, and that's sort of the game plan that I'm I'm hoping for with strong style, who uh, came off a, a six month layoff on April the 26th at Indy and flashed some speed going long over this track versus better. And then if you toss the slop last time out, and if we can get some sort of improvement from strong style, making his third start as a three year old, making his third start of the year for a very very capable barn. Um, I'll throw the one in with the four and and hook those two up in the first leg of the pick five. But of the short prices, I'm I'm definitely with Andrew. I would much prefer the four. It's the sunrise. And if you're playing on a smaller ticket and you want to single the four, I would not talk you off that. Yeah, the thing that concerns me a bit with the one isn't necessarily the race last time out. It was in the slop, didn't have a great start that day. I'm willing to draw a line through that race. Plus, maybe the horse just bounced off of a decent effort two back thing that scares me is the fact that there's a 10 pound bug there who's one for 29 on the season sure maybe it's a case where this trainer is just trying to give the apprentice a shot here i don't know but that does scare me at least a little bit especially with like a rail draw too right yeah you don't you break a step slow maybe from the rail and you get not the the most beneficial trip even but on the other hand the rail draw i think minimizes the choices that the apprentice is going to have Yep, because it tips the hand. To quote, to quote Bob Baffert from the Looking at Lucky Derby where that horse drew post number one, and Baffert said one of the all-time great quotes in Derby history that no one ever wants to repeat, we have two options, break well or be screwed. That's the trip <laughs> here. I think Strong Style may well sit the trip and be on or near the lead. What I think maybe you try to do to get a little bit of value out of it's the sunrise, you play a Dave Weaver-inspired ice-cold exacta Going four one. Yeah, yeah, I could see that, and hope that they just kind of go one two all the way around yeah, the track. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. merry go round style. Maybe the four just sits right behind and goes right by, or if the four gets aggressive and gets in front. Yeah, because there's just I, races like this. I don't want stone cold closers. I don't want a horse nope. coming from way out of it. Horses that don't like to pass. Give me the horses who are at least going to be up in the mix early on. 
Um, as we move along to race number six, we've got maiden special weights here, uh, Phillies and Mares three year olds, and up mile on the turf course. I thought this was a, a pretty fun race to to handicap. You've got the Asmussen first time starter down towards the inside, Amani's Linus. You've got Dance Recital who adds the blinks and who has come out of some pretty strong races. Face Duopoly, who's now a Grade One winner. Um, one of and, our favorite horses from yeah, last fall and winter. Exactly, one that you and I succeeded on. And uh, and then you've got like a bunch of horses that you can project. Horses that are making first starts on the grass Or horses that you can kind of, you know Build off of a performance I thought this was a really cool Betting race and a a good sort of pick four Pick five race Gino, last night when we were talking about This uh, segment And this sequence, I mentioned I had A couple of real bonkers Off the wall opinions, so get nice And comfortable here First of all, I want nothing To do with either number two, Amani's Lioness, or number three, Wicked Bisu. Me I too! In some, in, no. some way, in some way, shape, or form, they're going to be two of the top three choices. Yep. Amani's Lioness is bred up and down to be a very, very good horse. But if that's the case, why is she here? That's a red flag for me. Indiana Grand's racing product has gotten significantly better over the last 10 years. To me, though... This hits me as a case of a barn that has a breeding operation trying to get a filly a win so that that way she's more valuable as a breeding prospect. I don't like those horses, man. I understand that she comes in off of a big work. That's not the Steve Asmussen pattern. And if this horse is that good and that well-meant, I think she'd be in Kentucky or she'd be in New York. I want nothing to do with Wicked Bisu because despite the pedigree, Despite being a half to midnight Bisu, who we all know is a tremendous horse, after six starts, you are what your record says you are. I think turf is a desperation move. Now, number 11 dance recital is my top selection, but the post draw is not great. I'm using dance recital, but I feel the need to spread a little bit in here. There are three bigger prices that I think you need to have on your tickets or at least consider at the bottom of your exotics. I'm not even going to try to pronounce horse number eight in the program. You ready? I'm, I'm just not going to do it. I'm, Caprinia. I'm ready to try it. Caprinia. Caprinia. This is, okay. this is easier than it looks. It's okay. actually, um, right. I think it's the, the national drink of Brazil. It's a cocktail. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's that's fair. Okay. I'm still gonna call the eight horse. The eight, the eight horse. <laughs> I'm just gonna. That's just, just what I'm gonna do. That way. Yeah. So first time out at Turfway Park, this horse does not run terribly. No. Doesn't have the smoothest journey. Is sort of one paced, but picks up the pieces and runs fifth in a twelve horse field. That's not easy to do for a horse going two turns first time out. So they send the horse back at the same route of ground, and the horse bounces. Now, what I see is no Lasix in the first two starts, then a break. To me, that indicates she bled last time. She gets Lasix here for a really good barn and a rider that's hit at a 26% clip. Got to use the eight horse. Six, Number six. Just, to, just to piggyback, because I, I actually have the eight as my top selection, so we're in trouble. Gino! Uh, so... She, uh, the dam of this one, and if you just look, right, if you don't even look up the the pedigree and you just look in the past performances and you go, oh, Temple City, Dynaformer, Green Dan, like it just feels turf, 
right? Like just yeah. at first glance. Then you look in and you go, six siblings uh, to this one tried the turf. Four of them won, and one of them that didn't only had one start on it. So you've got a lot of turf in this pedigree. I think the eight tapes a massive step forward on the green. Yep. Uh, number seven, Villa Regia. They tried to get this one on turf a couple of times. Both instances, it's gotten rained off the turf. If this horse gets on turf, I think she's got a shot. She's got some early speed, and I feel as though she might be prominent early. Here's where we go off the rails. Gino. Tell me you're going to the six. I'm going to the six. Mommy Berta, so am I. Back to the turf. Gino. got to throw this horse in the pick five. You got to. Gino. Oh, God. Oh, God. We are so hosed. Everybody just single the two or single the three. You'll be fine. So. I, I'm probably just stealing Gino's thunder in every way, shape, or form at I this point. No. But the first race at Indiana Grand back in September, that's pretty darn good. It is. Horse rallies from dead last, going five furlongs, finishes second. Next time out, runs off before the race. The race is over before she even gets in the starting gate. Mm-hmm. And then you get my favorite handicapping angle, the toss two. Safe to assume something went wrong. Two starts back in the slop. They put her away for a while. She comes back in an off-the-turf race going five furlongs, has every right to need the race. Now, does she need to run a lifetime best race in order to win? Absolutely. Does she need to improve that much off of her career debut? I don't think so. I don't either. If she runs a 50 buyer speed figure, doesn't that put her right in the mix at a gigantic number? And now, she, for the record, I don't think we're getting 50 to 1. No. I think we're getting something in the 20s, but still, really big price. And the faster they go early, the better her chances figure to be. I'm going four deep. She's the fourth horse that I used. It's not like I'm saying, oh, I love this 50 to 1 shot. Do I think the 50 to one shot outruns her odds? Absolutely. And this is a type of Philly and, and just type of horse in general where you can project the improvement, right? Because her, her good start was her first start at two. And, and since then, we've never really seen her get the opportunity to do that again. Let's say yeah. she just improves a little bit from that start to her second start at three, which is very, very likely with now, you know, seven, eight months in between starts from September to May. At least you've gotten three races on the track to get more fitness out of you. I, yeah, I'm, I'm the, my approach in this race is, is almost identical to you, which is just damn scary for the both of us. Oh, um, <laughs> so no twos and threes for me. I had eight, 11, 10, six, four. Those are my five that I want. Okay. Um, and I'm going to use. Probably combinations of those five in my exotics The 8 and 11 who we both uh, spoke about uh, The 6, we talked about Mommy Berta also The only ones that we haven't, I'll mention briefly uh, The 10 Sacred Peace Just check out some of the races Sacred Peace is coming out of I mean, this is a horse who um, overseas in, in France Ran really well on the grass going longer I think this might be a tad shorter than where she's best But, I mean, even her her recent form, like she only has a couple races in a couple years, so I don't know how sharp she will be here. But from a pure class standpoint, she absolutely could stack up. Uh, she was in a good race at Gulfstream Park last year, in, in um, was at March, and the horse that she was uh, behind, Tizara, came back to win two consecutive races, uh, a maiden special, and then a first level allowance. And, and then the four, take a peek. Heck, that Keeneland race, it wasn't that bad. 
she was close up early on She was pressing and then she kind of got stuck In between horses and she got shuffled A little she was behind horses And you know once she started backing up She couldn't come on again but she's at least Got some positional speed and now She'll be making her second start going long On the turf she could show some improvement Um yeah this is a This is a cool race like a really fun Pick four pick five kind of a race Indeed it is. One other horse that I do want to mention, and this is sort of an alternate in case any of my four scratch, but number 13 terms and conditions, I think, could absolutely improve going dirt to turf. The 0 for 19 barn really scares me, but you get a daughter of Vancouver out of a mare that could run. Sunset Cocktail was a stakes-placed horse. I like the recent bullet workout at Keeneland. 15 to 1 on the morning line, so a price there as well. This is a really good betting race. What I'm hoping is that Dance Recital does not go off favor. She's 5-2 to two on the morning line, but I think Amani's Lioness is going to take a lot of money and come down off of her 7-2 to two morning line, thus boosting everybody else up. Here's hoping I'm right and that Amani's Lioness winds up being an underlay at her near her likely price. My goodness, this is a really good betting race, and kudos to the racing secretary for making this not just the second leg of the pick five, but the kickoff leg of that late pick four. Really, really fun. Uh, As we move to the seventh race at Indiana Grand on the Wednesday, May 26th card, we're looking at a first-level allowance, optional 18, uh, three-year-olds and up which have never won a race other than maiden claiming starter or Indiana breads are claiming price of 18. There go a mile on this turf course here. And let's see, the the money will probably be spread out a little bit. I mean, not to list towards the outside for Cox, you'd imagine is going to take some money for sure, uh, dropping out of a, a stakes. You've got um, then sort of like another tier of horses following that. Bullseye Bun, My Known Star, More Abundance, Winner's Club, uh, Not Very Gentle, all probably going to be in that like next flight of prices. So yeah, this might not be a, a race with a real short, overwhelming favorite. I think Nautilus is going to take a lot of money, and for good reason. This is a horse that I remember from last summer at Saratoga, where he ran second once, beating a half length, doing a lot of dirty work up front, and just getting beat, and then winning an off-the-turf race very late in the meet. They tried him in the Laurel Futurity. They listed that turf course as yielding. That was the days leading up to the Preakness, where it poured If it was any other race, it would have been off the turf. It was a weird condition. Wouldn't have put it past the connections to just put the runner away after that happened. I love the fact that this horse gets Lasix for the first time, gets an aggressive gate rider towards the outside, which I think is going to be necessary in order to clear at least most of this field going into the first turn. Now, the post position is a problem, especially given the running style, so it wouldn't necessarily shock me if Nautilus got beat. I'm using a couple of others in here. I think more abundance is the likeliest second choice. This is a runner that has come into his own for the Joe Sharp barn, who is two for two on the meet. One of those wins was with this horse. Take a look at the fractions last time out that this one closed into going last to first. Seven and a half furlongs, so not a long race. 25 and one to the quarter, and this horse is dead last. Horses are not supposed to go last to first. And win by two on the turf like that. Yeah, Yeah, that's just not supposed to happen. Now, more abundance could absolutely win this, although I do think this is a tougher group. 
bullseye bun goes back to the turf after an off the turf race that I'm just drawing a line through completely. There are some turf races there that fit pretty well. And I'm also going to use number six winner's club drawing a line through that last race going a mile and five eighths in his first start against winners at Keeneland. That's a pretty ambitious spot there on the part of the Marcassi barn. The race two back though on turf, very, very good. I think winner's club could be the horse that sits a perfect stalking trip in his first run turning for home. So for me, I'd go four deep in here as well. Two, four, six, 11. I'm not using any ridiculous prices. I do think it's a good betting race. And I figure Nautilus will get bet down to about five to two, three to one if there aren't massive scratches involved. So we will get a decent price on whichever horse we prefer. Another really good betting race. Really hope the weather cooperates and we stay on the turf. Gosh, how boring are we? I've got six, two, four, eleven as my as my four. And uh, uh, here's here's what I will say. I'm gonna probably play. I I generally play a couple different pick five tickets. I usually will will play one small one with like a real my strong opinions and uh, and then. You know, kind of single in a few spots and, and then back them up uh, in a couple of other places. Uh, Winner's Club might be a horse that I single on one ticket. I just feel like he is going to get that trip that you talked about, that March 21st race at Fairgrounds. To me, that's the race I love. And if you just look at what this horse has done on the turf for Cassie, you know, you've got two good efforts. You got yeah. one where they just showed a little bit too much speed and ran off a bit and then able to get this horse to settle down and show and sometimes it is a sometimes it takes something like a slow start, right? And it and that's what it was. It was a slow start on March the 21st that kind of had Winners Club off the pace a little bit and they figured, you know what? This might not be a, a bad sort of change in pace. Just let's take this horse back a, a bit and relax. I think perfect trip there. Uh Bullseye Bun you mentioned was a step slow. But then was up to lead by about a length And if you look at the the race that he comes out of Two back, that one at Keeneland That was on a good turf course um, On April the 2nd Gear Jockey Good race for the level Oh yeah, Gear Jockey is grade 3 placed There were three other next out winners in that race Two of them won first level allowance after And then one of them dropped down And won a 20 non-two claimer So that was a strong group for Bullseye Bun Could be set for a good one third off the bench And just from a pure that a pure tactical standpoint, I think the one like one horse that you have to use is the four more abundance, just just on the pure running style because there are versions of this race where Bullseye Bun, Winners Club, and Nautilus all end up showing some speed there, and maybe even one or two others like a like a flawless Bourbon, and then they go really really quick. If that's the case, the horse who I feel the most confident about mowing them all down late would be more abundance. Yeah, and also, let's not forget, More Abundance has been running in five and a half furlong races at fairgrounds for the better part of the year, has shown a little bit of early speed when called upon. Positional. More Abundance has that closing kick, but doesn't need to be 10 or 12 lengths out before uncorking that. So Great point. More Abundance has a lot in his favor here from a versatility standpoint. Like I said, Probably your second choice in the betting. The big concern here is the class jump because he's facing optional claiming company after beating the starter allowance group in the right way for sure, but one that probably just wasn't all that special. Still, though, there's a lot to like with that one. This is a, It's a good race. It's a really good Wednesday card. We move along to race number eight. We've got the Indiana Breds, non-two uh, fillies and mares, three-year-olds and up six furlongs on the distance. 
And Whistlin' Dixie is your 2-5 to five morning line favorite in here Coming in from Oaklawn, going to go second start off the bench for Michael Lauer Yeah, I can't get past this one uh, This is an Indiana bred facing Indiana breads for the very first time Last time out at Oaklawn, her first start in almost two years Didn't run terribly Showed a little bit of early speed, was fifth beaten four and three-quarter lengths by a decent group. This is a major drop in class, and I think Whistle and Dixie has everything potentially in her favor to go on the front end and just coast early. Now, if you're looking for a runner that could potentially factor into the exotics at a little bit of a price, I think you can do worse than number six, DD730, who has shown some early speed and did not get her desired trip last time out in her first start since November, sort of folded like a cheap suit. But second off the layoff for a sharp barn, De La Cruz hops aboard. I really like the recent workouts. I think this is another ice-cold exact to race 9-6. There are only two horses in this race I thought could legitimately win, or that I every horse could win, that I felt like I want what could even make a case for using on my tickets And uh, the nine whistling Dixley Is obviously one of them And uh, on a ticket that I play Where I probably single winner's club I will end up using the nine Along with one other uh, On my bigger ticket I think I'm going to single against whistling Dixie With the ten Tapping into summer who will probably be your strong Second choice in here So let's go through the tens um, career here She's raced five times In her debut sprinting she has a really good race. She finishes second behind a, a nice next out winner, and she gets you know crushed that day. But the horse comes back and is a, is a good one, ready for change. So that was at fairgrounds, going six furlongs, five, going five and a half in the debut. Good effort. Comes back at Oaklawn Park, career start number two. Keep in mind, she's only six to one in her debut. She's only six to one in her second start at Oaklawn back in February. Sloppy racetrack, very easy to put a line right through it. Comes back in her third start They try going long on the grass She misses the break, she has a bad start And she's 10 lengths out of it and just never has a shot They come back in April at Indy And they drop in class They move into this spot A spot similar to this It was state bred, Indiana breads And she absolutely dusts that field At a very short price She crushes a group that she's better than She wins by 11 Look at how how tough of a group they t- they stepped up and, and took a shot against last time out That was a first level allowance At Churchill um, That they decided to give this horse a chance against And again She has a sloppy racetrack Like a totally legitimate excuse for her Her only two races sprinting On fast dirt She's won by 11 and lost by 11 Ironically but uh, she She's run well in both of them um, She's got some nice recent works She's back to Indiana, back with Indy Breads. And so, you know, in a in a race where I think everybody singles the nine, I'm gonna play one or two tickets where I single the ten. Because I, I look at the rest of the field, I think you nailed the other horse to use underneath DD seven thirty. I couldn't make a, a real strong case for anyone else. So if I'm looking at this race as a two horse race on paper and everyone's gonna go one way and I can go the other way, and even if this wins ten 10% of the time or so You know what, this is the way that I could make 20, 30,000 uh, on, a, on a pick 5 pool And I think the 10 does have a legitimate shot Going race by race with her So for me, you know, if you're playing on a small ticket And you just want to use 2 or you want to go 9, 10 Or even if you want to single the 9 because you feel more confident there Completely understand But if you can, 
Throw this 10 on your tickets Because you can really really Find a lot of excuses And circle the good races as dirt sprints One other thing to note Here and this will actually benefit Your 10 horse tapping into summer There is a wild card in this race A horse that maybe I don't Think can win but can certainly Ruin a lot of other horses in here And that's the four backstreet Lady mm-hmm. who has a ton And I mean a ton of early speed has been working very well in the mornings and there's no secret about what this one wants to do the question is who in this field can sit stalk and pounce a little bit i don't think whistling dixie needs the lead she's shown she can run well rating just off the pace which will help her and i don't think tapping into summer needs the lead either so i do think that helps from a trip standpoint in that the early pace is likely going to be very very fast Especially for this level I mean my goodness Look at some of these horses in this race The one Yeah Luna Love's going to go early Express Lady's not going to be too far off of it Backstreet Lady is a rocket ship Just a simple girl Has some early speed She'll go early DD730 won't be too far off of it Neither will Sweet Justice It's a case where I wouldn't be at all surprised If they go very fast early And whoever winds up sitting in that catbird seat two or three lengths off of the lead going around the far turn winds up in a great spot. I think Whistling Dixie gets that trip, but there's a non-zero percent chance tapping into summer gets that trip as well. And given the knockout potential there, I've got no problem with the way you're talking about structuring your tickets. Yeah. And, and you know, I like the, the draw being right to the outside of Whistling Dixie because, you know, you you ride and you you're in every race to run your race right but we all know when you're in a race like this and there's a 2 to 5 shot everybody's sort of looking where that horse is and kind of waiting for them and seeing what they're going to do so maybe Deshaun Parker's able to just like whistling Dixie sits third or so and maybe he's able to sit kind of right behind her and hope that he's got a little bit more punch and he's just a little bit more suited to go 6 furlongs sitting off the pace than a horse like whistling Dixie um yeah, this could be a, a real separator here in what is a good pick five sequence as we move along to the ninth and final. We've got Indiana Breds, a maidens, three year olds, and up. They're going to go a mile on the turf course in here. And let's see, we've got uh, the Cody Rhodes. We we open up with Shinsuke Nakamura and we close it out with Cody Rhodes, uh, the American Nightmare. Hi, huh, Andrew. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, and th- the thing is, I like that horse a little bit. In here. yeah. Second off the trainer switch to Gennaro Garcia. Having said that, though, singling twice in this sequence allows me to spread in the other legs. Yep. I'm going five deep in here. This is another where the quality is, how do I put this delicately, not inspiring. (laughs) I want no part of the three-to-one morning line favorite. That's Baker's man. I see 0 for 14. I see 0 for 6 at Indiana Grand, not at 3 to 1. No, 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 no. That is a favorite that as a handicapper, you wake up in the morning and you try to beat. The second choice, number three, Macho Allegra. Okay, last time out on turf, ran reasonably well, was a decent second. Not crazy about the fact that the horse stalked a very slow pace and couldn't get the job done, but I'm using the horse. I can certainly see here. Yeah, he did fight. He did battle. Yeah, One of the things that I love doing in a race with a lot of horses that don't necessarily like to win, I like taking a first-time starter. And a first-time starter in here is my top selection. 
Number five, Trouble Justice, makes the debut for Aaron West, who's hitting at 19% on the meet. He hits at 17% with first-time starters, so his horses can certainly fire right off the rip. I love the turf pedigree here. By Dominus out of a lemon drop kid mare, that is turf top and bottom. If you look at the turf Tomlinson ratings the Daily Racing form puts out, you see 335. Anything over 300 is very good, so 335 is excellent. I love the steady stream of five furlong workouts. I don't think he's going to be short. It's a tough thing to do debuting going two turns, but he does not have to be much in order to beat this field. He's my reluctant top pick if I had to make one. I think there's some value here, but I'm going five deep. I've mentioned Macho Allegra. I've mentioned American Nightmare. I'll also use number six, Akamai, coming off the layoff as a first-time gelding. I like the fact that Prescott stays aboard and the two-back effort was not bad. I'll also use number seven, CFV Guapo, who came (laughs) off a very long layoff last time out and was flying late in a race with no early speed at all whatsoever. And judging by the fact that I could hear you cackling just a little bit, I'm guessing you saw what I saw. Yeah. So three, five, six, seven, and ten for me. I want no part of the two. I think the two is a very beatable favorite, and I think it's a really good way to get some value to hopefully end this sequence with us cashing some tickets. I've got three, seven, ten, six, five in that order. <laughs> we've got you know, the same. We've got no, the same five. Go. Okay. All right. You know what, Gino? <laughs> in in hosting this show, you deal with a lot of very smart people who run a lot of very smart podcasts. <laughs> Have you noticed that those podcasts are often the most interesting, the most entertaining when the when two they talking disagree. heads could not possibly disagree more? I, I know. Take I know. notes. Take yeah. notes. So yeah, I'm with you. I just I don't I don't want anything to do with or need Baker's man. Uh, I thought Macho Alegre really did try hard and and could step forward off of that effort. The horse who I actually uh, I think like the I kind of have on top, and if he is five to one ish, I think the seven would be my top selection. CFV Guapo, who had a slow start, he was about ten or twelve lengths off of it. He was saving ground, and the, he angled off the rail, and he got a split, and he came closing pretty well. So. If he's able to just stay within striking range a little bit more for a a rider who's been uh, excellent so far at this meeting, I think CFV Guapo could get a little better trip. We mentioned American Nightmare. You're going to get a, a horse who's going to go, um, you know, back in against state breads now. Look at the the turf races; those were against Open Company. There's nothing wrong with that runner-up effort uh, on the grass at Lone Star against Maiden Twenties, and that's probably a very comparable level to what you'll get here. And that might even be a tougher group, honestly, uh, Open Twenties at Lone Star than a, an Indiana bed uh, bred group like this here. So, yep, those same five. Three, uh, three, seven, ten, six, five is mine. You mentioned the first time starter, as and for a lot of the reasons that you said, plenty of turf in the pedigree, a very capable barn first time out, and just not a group that scares you. Like there are no monsters in here. We we're both going five deep. We think that you no know, many can win. Why can't a horse like Trouble Justice jump up and win and uh, and compete here? So yep, uh, we'll end the same way. With uh, with five, and we don't think we need Baker's man, but we have a lot of similarities in, in, throughout the sequence. We'll probably, it, perhaps, we go our separate ways if we single different horses uh, in in a different spot. But a lot of similarities throughout the the five races, and I think this is a you know one of those that 
Um, I'm glad I spent and we spent 30 minutes going through because there really do feel like some opportunities in this sequence. There are, and this can definitely pay out. Even if, say, the even money morning line favorite wins the first leg and the two to five shot wins the fourth leg. Remember, low takeout. It's a great draw. The people at Indiana know how to treat handicappers. If you are a takeout snob and you're not playing these kinds of bets, just shut up. Out of here. This is a really good wagering opportunity. There are some big fields. The turf races are very competitive. You can find reasons to not play certain favorites. It's a good sequence. And if we're able to beat a couple of favorites along the way and get a couple of singles home, this will pay all right. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Beat a couple of favorites, get the singles home. We really do have a nice way of marketing the game to people who don't necessarily know what they're doing, which begs the question, why aren't we doing that more? Anyway... My ticket is $40. If you're going to play it on sale, like a DRF ticket maker type tool with A's and B's, it'll probably come out to the upper 20s, low 30s. But the important thing is get involved. Lots of different directions you can go in. I sing the praises of a lot of different people at Indiana Grand, and for good reason. They do it right. The product has come a long way just in the last five to 10 years. It's a fun midweek wagering experience. Great crew over there, and we're going to do our best uh, trying to get you a a few winners throughout the sequence. So, um, at Andrew Champagne, I believe you can follow on social media. What uh, was going to be, have you figured out what's on the menu this week for Champagne and JD? Yeah, uh, this week on Champagne and JD, I'm going to feel very old. Uh, We are getting, as our guest, a young gentleman by the name of Joe Mason, who does a lot of work with Amplify Racing and has his own show, Cole's Chedro Stories. The guy is, I don't think, old enough to legally drink alcohol, and his lineup of guests is comparable to either of our shows. The guy's <laughs> doing a lot of great work, and it helps that he's a fellow upstate New York boy, too. There you so go. We're going to have nice. a lot of fun. We're going to take a look at the Belmont card, I think, for Saturday. Entries just came out. A lot of really big fields, so we'll dive into that. It's going to be a really fun show, and we really hope you like what we're putting out there. Awesome stuff. Make sure to give them a subscribe on the the YouTube channel there. And if you follow Andrew on social media, you'll get uh, news as to everything that he's got going on. You get a spot play sometimes, uh, DRF, other stuff for uh, for different websites here and there that Andrew does some uh, work for. So anything you need or anytime you want to find out uh, Andrew's thoughts on a race or anything coming up, that's probably the best way to do so, right, Twitter? Yeah, Twitter is at Andrew Champagne. A lot of cool stuff there. You mentioned the DRF spot plays that I do. Also writing for Odds Checker. Also doing some freelance sports writing for the folks over at Twin Spires Edge. So lots going on. Trying to keep myself busy. And uh, it's not going to get any less hectic. In addition to Saratoga coming up in less than two months, we're coming up on a stretch of time, Gino, where I have four weddings to go to in six weeks. And a funeral? Four weddings. (laughs) No, no, no. No no funerals that I'm aware of, thank you. But four weddings in six weeks across three different states. Whew. That's going to be. Yeah. I I, I ought to just rent one tux for six weeks and just go from there. Travel around, you know, with this big dry clean bag slung over my shoulder. It's it, if you see me in airports, take a picture. It's going to be hilarious. But at any rate, video yeah. diary of that for uh, for the YouTube channel. Hey, yeah. you know, follow me on Twitter at, at Andrew Champagne. You can also follow me on Instagram at at one, two, eight winners trying to get some more followers over there. But 
just trying to figure out gambling type stuff that works well. I'm not a bikini model, so Instagram doesn't like me. <laughs> I was going to say, me neither. I can't grow. I just keep losing. I'll get like three followers and then lose five. I'm like right in the, I've been at a thousand for a few years. I just can't move up or move down whatsoever. Um, Andrew, buddy, uh, this was a really fun conversation. Thank you for, uh, for uh, getting the bat signal when I needed you uh, and helping me out with this Wednesday, Indiana. Not a problem. One last final note, everybody. Rachel McLaughlin loves professional wrestling. <laughs> Send them to her at Racing Rachel M on Twitter. There you go. Shout out there to Rachel, who does a great job. Nancy, you heard Bill talking about the Tuesday Pick 5 earlier on in the card. Uh, Eric, uh, Tammy, uh, they got a great crew over there. So uh, make sure to, to support them with your wagering dollars in these low takeout Pick 5 sequences. Good luck on Wednesday. Thanks again so much, Andrew, buddy. Good luck in the sequence. My pleasure, man. Take it easy. Make sure to give Andrew a follow there. Uh, Don't go anywhere. I'm going to wrap up the uh, Wednesday indie sequence, and then we will move along. Still plenty more on That's What G Said. Thanks to AC Andrew helping us out there with the indie pick five for Wednesday. So in the fifth race, for me, uh, Strong Style is one that I'll be throwing in, the number one in the sixth race. Uh, I'll be tossing the eight in, uh, in the seventh race, winner's club, the six, and in the eighth, the number 10 is where I will single against that big heavy favorite. So good luck Wednesday in your pick fives over at Indiana Grand. We're going to head to Canterbury in just a second and talk about the Wednesday pick five sequence at Canterbury with Dave Handelin. Before we do, we're going to talk a little bit about Cindy Carava, full service realtor, her website, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. So as a full service realtor, that means she can help you out in many different ways. We're talking selling, purchasing, leasing. She can help you find vendors like handymen, painters, landscapers, gardeners that she personally uses in her own home. Maybe you need help getting pre-approved for a home loan. Yep, she can connect you to the lenders that she works closely with and can highly recommend. She covers all parts of the San Gabriel Valley, North San Diego County, Del Mar, Solana Beach, Rancho Santa Fe. Hey, maybe you're just curious to see how much your home is worth. She'll do a free market analysis of your home's value. And even if you're not in the area, maybe you live in a different state, you just don't have a whole lot of help or people that you know, that you trust, that you're comfortable with, get in touch with Cindy. She will find someone in the area that she knows and that she can trust and can put you in touch with. And it'll make your life so much easier. CindyCarava.com. You can find out all about her, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. There are reviews on Yelp and Zillow. But the easiest way, you find out all the information on that website. You can check out all of her listings and everything she has going on there. C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. We head on over to the Wednesday Canterbury pick five with Dave Handlin. He's swinging a hot stick. He hit that pick five last week on the carryover day, just under three grand. So hopefully Dave can lead us to a couple winners on the Wednesday pick five sequence. He joins us. We talk for about 30 minutes or so going over the Wednesday pick five. Here with Dave Handlin, our good buddy, uh, who had a great week last week. We actually had Dave on the show to talk about the NBA playoffs and to preview some of the play-in games. And now we're going to we're gonna have to take advantage of him to talk some Canterbury. So, uh, Dave, I know you and I have been going back and forth a little bit. We're big NBA fans. We've been having fun uh, all throughout the week watching the play-in games and the start of the playoff series. But you had even a little more fun last week because 
There was a big pick five carryover on day one of the meet at Canterbury. And as of day two of the meet, you hit it. At that point, you had hit more pick fives than anybody in the meet at Canterbury. <laughs> I, w- I was the standings leader. And you know what? <laughs> you were. Like, so because of that, you like you had said that to me. Hey, you're leading. You're leading in pick five set. <laughs> so this is this is the type of thing. Like I have a good rapport with Canterbury and with Jeff Miday over there, who kind of <laughs> runs a lot of the stuff. So I actually brought up to him, "Hey, what's the what's the chances that Canterbury puts something together like an on track pick five bonus of like how Oakland does like the show bonus yeah. on track where." So if you're if you're a live customer at Canterbury and you make your bet through Canterbury and you hit the pick five, you verify it with a teller eventually once you hit it, and then you get like a point in the standings for something. And I think you really like that idea. So nice. like maybe to, maybe to turn it into something of a hey, here's something extra for the on track person who hits it compared to somebody like yourself off in California. That all right, like give a little bit something else back to the the ten percent takeout's great, but maybe do a little bit something else for the on-track customer. And and I think that's something that tracks need to probably look into to try to just, in, as they're looking to increase customers and do different things, like, yeah, hey, let's try to do something like this. Why not combine uh, horse racing and betting with maybe standings of something else that we'd keep track of and try to make something fun out of it? If you could get a little bit of an extra bonus and you're five minutes away from the track, if you're someone who is at home even, you know, and mm-hmm. you're sitting there going, hmm, if I go to the track and bet this, I could get a chance to to have win a little more or, or get a little something more. Any anything additional, right, to get you there? Anything additional to get you there nowadays? Because it's it's so easy to sit at home and to kick back. But um, that was a that was a great ticket you put together and a really good start. It's a great way to start the meet, right? Like you just feel good right off the bat. Like you're confident in your handicapping, and it and it's like there's nothing worse than like a, a bad three or four weeks to start a meet and you're not hitting anything. And then you're going, what am I even doing? Am I looking at this all wrong? Like that's not the case for you. You put a great ticket together and uh, let's, uh, let's do our best to try to hit this one uh, on Wednesday. Sounds good. Let's go. So we had Angela Herman helping us out talking about uh, the Tuesday pick five sequence. We are now on to Wednesday with Dave, get those past performances out because the Wednesday pick five, for May the 26th begins in race number four. We've got Minnesota Breads, $7,500 non-two claimers, five and a half furlongs, the distance here. Who are we starting with in this one, Dave? So this, in the way I kind of put together my sequence here, I, I, I had no strong opinions in this race. I am tossing number two, Rasmus, who is going to be, who is the morning line favorite. I am planning on, I'm going deep here, Gino. I'm going one, three, four, five, seven, because I, it's one of those I don't have a strong opinion, but I don't really like the favorite. So being that I'm going to go a little bit deeper in here, I'm tossing the favorite completely. Um, I think it feels like maybe one of the two Bethke runners, uh, the one or the one or the four, maybe one of them can win this early on in the meet here, especially with these minbreds in this race. Is the, a lot of these things have been sitting around over the winter, getting fat like ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> so like. Who, who's in shape? Who's ready to actually run in five and a half distance? We're not running the Boston Marathon here, but like five and a half, like, all right, I want somebody who's who's been at least running this year where they're not debuting, where the two of the favorite is making its debut and wasn't, it's not like it's a world beater in here. So no. we're flat out tossing it. I think it's going to be probably a little bit over bet based on those odds. So yeah, I, I think I'm going the one, the three, the four, and 
and the seven, those like those four have all been running this year. And then I threw the five in with it. So I'm tossing the six and I'm tossing the two. We are, we're so funny to start. I, I have one, three, five, seven, and then quest, question marks about the six. I don't want the two either. I'm, I'm totally fine. And, and he's going to take money. And if he wins, I'm fine. No, you know what? I can move along and play the pick four in the next race, but I don't love him at all. I think he's going to need a race for his best. He was already a beaten favorite at this level uh, in September. He burned money already at this level, and that was when he had some. He was dropping in class. He was coming out of some races. He had fitness at that time. Like piggybacking yeah. off of your point, like looking for horses who have run. I really think that you you have to throw the seven in Shay's Glory. I think he she's just in like. Some of the better form of anyone in here If you look at some of her recent races She's got the outside draw now She can pass some horses But she's also got enough positional speed To stay in striking range I sort of like where she's drawn I think for the price horses She's a really nice horse to throw into your uh, to your pick fives in, in leg number one And Dave and I are both kind of telling you that We don't need the two And if you're going to go deep If you're going to go all or spread out don't even use that short price horse. The only time you should use them is if you're going to single a 10 to 1 shot later in the card in the sequence that you love, 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 or you've got bombs in two or three other races. Otherwise, we don't need the, the short price horses that we don't love. Totally correct on that. Just, and I'm not the, I'm not the king of ticket structure, but I do, I know I make errors and stuff, but it's, it's one of those words. All right. I think this race is wide open and I don't like the favorite. So, Yep, if the favorite beats me, then back to the pick four we go Boom, and uh, that pick four begins in race number five Maiden $16,000 claimers going a mile on the turf course here Where are you starting in this one, Dave? I am going to start on this one I'm I'm going outside here The And, and now, for the record, this is kind of I kind of contradict myself on how, how I went on that previous day in here But the, there's a couple horses here that are making their multiple starts of the 2021 campaign i am going ugh, i'm going with the 10 notepad who's making its first start of the year uh minnesota bread taking on open company but this horse at least is showing workouts back into march 21st that we've got at hawthorne and has been on a steady work note ever since and was it was a pretty relevant horse last year running at running in minnesota so i think with so Rye Uckleberry is making his Canterbury debuts. Yep. If you see no stats on him, he was off the first week because he was suspended. So from from last last fall, he, he had three days suspension. So he was out the first week of the year. So he's back now. Uh, so I'm th- I'm going with Notepad the ten. I'm going with Cougar the eleven, and then I'm also going with Princess Renee the eight. Uh, I I would make I would be fine just going the ten and the eleven, but I. I'm throwing in the eight just because nice. Mia and Madsen were really hot the opening week, and might as well. I'm, I'm going to put that one in there just just in case, because I'm, I'm not I'm not crazy about the ten and the eleven, but we're going to maybe try to get the eight in. I'm glad you mentioned the eight. I'm going to play one ticket where I single the eight, yeah. um, and and I'm going to play another ticket where I use just the, the, uh, some of the others that you mentioned, the ten and eleven both. I thought the two loyal and true was maybe a little bit interesting, getting some class relief, kind of close up on the stretch out, second off the bench. The five metaphor, kind of a wild card coming in from SoCal. You don't know what to do with, but the eight, Princess Renee. So, Princess Renee actually has a couple sneaky good efforts going um, seven and a half 
at Canterbury back in 2019 against Maiden Special Weights. One of them had legitimate trouble. Then you can probably put a line right through that race at Keeneland in October of 2019 because that was the race that sent her the, to the bench for a long time. She came back at Tampa in March of 2021. And she had to need the race To be honest, she actually didn't run that bad she, she missed the break, she still ended up splitting the field Against Maiden 10s And then last time out She was in between horses She was up to press And she was just just a little bit wide and the, and the race really fell apart She faded, but all of the horses who were up front early They all fell apart late And the horse who was third came back to win a Maiden Special Weight Next out at Mountaineer They put the blinkers on Princess Renee Third start off of the bench I think she could be set for her best effort here. I I think for sure that this this isn't on a field the world beaters by any means. No. And so that like all right, it's set up. This this one can this one can work here. It fits right in. Nothing going against it. That's a beast or anybody means. So yeah, I, I think this is for sure something that could happen with the uh, couple others nice, that I so nice solo there. Yeah, I mean, this could be one because I, I love trying to do this. Like, I'll play. I always play a couple different tickets, but if I could get this horse home and and separate, and then have you know like four by four by fours or whatever I need the rest of the way through, that would be a, a real nice separation kind of a, a horse. And I always try to to do something like that where I get a horse that may not be the horse that everyone else is singling. So um, we'll uh, we'll maybe take a little swing there in the fifth as we and move my, along. My note about the owners there, so that so Pete Madsen. Uh, he runs a lot between here in Minnesota and then ships his horses to a lot of them run in Tampa over the winter. So yeah, the first week he had, he had nine starters and had three wins as the, as an owner. So he, he had his trainers having his horses ready to fire up. He, I don't think any other owner had two wins last week and he had three. So they're pointing. Yeah. They're pointing for this meet and they're ready. Their horses are ready to rock. Um, we get into the sixth race. We've got $10,000 Beaten claimers, they're going to go a, a mile here on the main. Uh, just worth mentioning that the number four calculated risker is is also entered in a race. Uh, the one and the four are entered in a race on Tuesday in the pick five sequence. So uh, the race they're entered on Tuesday is a turf race. This one is a dirt race, and they're both. They seem like they're both a little bit better on the dirt You'd imagine that they probably will uh, will End up here but we'll see if they rain on Tuesday and, and the race comes off the grass Maybe they enter there but By Wednesday we'll know if the one and the Four are in this race The horse who is your morning line favorite Drawn towards the outside for Justin Evans who's pretty sharp is coming in off Of uh, some consistent recent form That's the eight gray admiral Yep gray admiral is gonna I, I would think Is gonna be a favorite this is where I'm this is where I, I'm going with a solo here, but I'm not going with that favorite as a solo. I'm going the number three, Omen of Change, nice. uh, the Diodoro horse. Uh, was a good runner at Canterbury last year at the, at the same level, a little bit a little bit higher. And since then, had a took a couple months off. Diodoro took the horse immediately. So it was 55 to 1 in a $16,000 claiming race at Oakland. Dio takes it. The first race with Dio is a three to one. So it goes so, up <laughs> and, and it goes up to 20,000. So right, jumps in class and goes from 55 to one to three to one. Nearly let him around the most of the track before finally giving up to Intrepid Heart. But all right, then didn't like the slop. So now dropping back here into level Empire Racing and Dio win a lot. I'm going to say that this horse is probably in a decent chance to fire here. Mate, and, and seven to two might be all just a. a 
a number on the paper right now. This yeah. could be two to one, yeah. eight to five, especially, I guess it's into the sequence where we won't quite know, but if you see this thing taking money, I would say be ready for this thing to be live and in the spot. So I'm, I, I, I didn't love anything else. The, I, I know that Justin Evans horse, the gray Admiral is probably going to take a lot of money. I'm, I'm willing to go with three omen of change. I think Ty Kennedy's been all right, but just not at Canterbury. He's, he hasn't found the, he hasn't got his picture taken yet. So we'll see if maybe this is where, where it is. And he, he's had some, he's had some good mounts. I had, um, I had three, four and eight as sort of my top tier horses. Uh, my, my, my must use horses, uh, to try to get through this leg. So yeah, Gray Admiral, there's like nothing sexy. Uh, he, he just fits the conditions really well for a horse who has not won a race since February 26th. He's a six time winner, so he, he fits well. He's not a non four. And when you go back and look at his last race, he actually won on March the 23rd, but because that was a 6250 race, it was under 8,000. It doesn't qualify in the condition. So it's a, it's very, a, a very well spotted horse here. And the same can sort of be said for the two. If you want to go a, like a little deeper, maybe the two, may we all who, for Broberg is going to be stretching out here And we know with Broberg like He's got like 50 condition books you know, So he's like mm. looking at like every racetrack Around the country hmm where, do, where will this horse Fit the best oh yeah perfectly You know horse last one on December the 27th Hasn't been beaten over and over They'll try to stretch him out um, I could see you know if you want to go a little Deeper using the, the two Also um, may we all But yeah I don't Let's see others that I wanted to mention. I I guess the six, my cowboy, is another who, he's a nine year old who just loves to win races, and he's an old vet. Uh, maybe he didn't um like love his trip going long on the turf, but the only problem I sort of have with him is it's not like a he's been good on the grass and good on the dirt. So you wonder why he was so poor last time out. Maybe it was just a little too tough against open tens, but um I, I will say Quinones has sure been. The last two years, he has been so good over there. Yeah, he's he's found his way to Canterbury, and he's been he's been making a difference. He's been he's been winning races, and I he yeah he had one win last week where and I was for Madsen because I remember talking to Madsen in the paddock afterwards, and just said, "Well, Kenyona's completely won you that race because I think he was the three horse, and he completely took everybody wide on the on the back stretch, and then he got <laughs> into the front stretch, and he did the exact same thing." Like it, it was, it was, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't dirty, but he, he kind Race of riding. limits of what exactly he could do. And it, and yeah. it totally worked. He's figuring out that track. He's figuring out his competition. Um, and so he's one that, you know, if he's a price, he'll, he'll give you a good run for your money. That's a, uh, sixth race there at Canterbury. Uh, we're talking about the Wednesday pick five sequence with Dave handling, and we're moving on to race number seven, which is the start of that late daily double. On Wednesday, they're going to go five furlongs on the turf course here, and so a lot of these these races they are moving early. You have a horse like Uncle Goyle who has been running in two furlong races, two two starts back, so he's going to be moving early on, and he's actually run before and run very well at Canterbury. Uh, th- these are fun sometimes though because they are just when three or four of these horses break in a five furlong turf sprint. It's cool to see uh, everyone just going uh, pedal to the metal. I, I, yeah, look, putting together a race like this, these are fun races, and I do actually love Uncle Goyle in this spot. Like, yeah, one of the one of the angles, and I, I hit something a couple weeks ago at Santa Anita where you get these co- horses that are quarter horses, and then they stretch out, and it's like, all right, if they're 
show some speed, maybe they're just gone and get brave. Yeah. And this horse last year kind of like kind of did the same thing where it was running mm-hmm. short races, came to Canterbury and lost twice to Hotfoot. And Hotfoot like dominated the turf sprints at Canterbury last year. So that and just by the pure looks of it, those races that he went last year and Dame Plata was in the race with Mr. Jagermeister the other night, like those horses Uncle Goyle faced at Canterbury last year were so much better than the horses that he's facing here yeah so nine to two i don't think probably not going to get near it'll probably be three to one five to two is my guess on uncle goyle but i was only going too deep here i was going uncle goyle and because i liked uncle goyle i thought all right if i'm if i'm gonna try to beat uncle goyle i am i'm taking a shot on what might be the best horse in this race just maybe not at this time but if it's ready to fire, I went with number one, Superior's Boy, mm-hmm. as my as my second horse. Uh, has been on the Canterbury turf, four wins and 13 starts. Or uh, I guess on the turf, he's been that. At Canterbury, he's won twice and seven starts and has finished in the money five to seven times. So I, I think I think maybe if, if Beeler has had this one and at least shown work to have since April 3rd with a couple of solid works in there, nothing overly flashy. But in a, in a race like this, maybe... It, it comes apart a little bit and he finds himself in the middle of it. The two horses that I for sure need in this race were the uh were the seven and the eight. Um Uncle Goyle for all of the reasons that you sold us on. The uh, the seven nice work I think is a little bit sneaky. So he's only been on the turf twice and both of those turf races were in Southern California against better. And if you look at his his form, he's got speed, but he can also pass some horses if he has to. Um, in his most recent start at Keeneland, he broke on top, and then what ended up happening, he got kind of shuffled to the inside. The horse to the outside was a little bit faster than him, so what ends up happening, he kind of gets has to try to take back a little bit. That horse clears, and all of a sudden, instead of being a half length behind, you're two lengths behind because you get shuffled. And he actually moved back up to challenge, but but I think the group was just... It was 10 to 1, it was a tough group For him, you need to get a really Beneficial type trip, and I do think Nice work can sit off the pace And so if Uncle Goyle does Get softened up by a couple other speed Horses in here, maybe it's nice work Who just kind of sits in a nice trip right behind And uh, and is able to pass some horses So for me, I needed 7 and 8 I could make cases for others Like you did for the 1, I think Superior's boy I mean, what's wrong with the 2? Beyond Street Smart, look at his last race on the grass at Canterbury was a a turf sprint win going five where he came from off the pace and you know that that might be the type of trip that wins this one so um I think we we both need Goyle for sure because he feels like he's probably the speed of the speed in here right yeah I think the speed of the speed on this one is is where that is so if yeah if we can break if he can break all right should be at least in the spot going for home yeah neither was brought up even the number nine. Uh, most amusing, who's five to two on the morning line? Where I don't know. I I just ha- had a couple wins on the Canterbury Dirt last year, but making its turf debut, I hooked wide. Yeah, I mean wide. Like all right, you look at it and like decent. Like I don't know, and I we, I should be able to determine how it is, but because a lot of Foner Park runners do come to Canterbury, but man, all these hand time races at Foner, like what are we doing, right? <laughs> So I know like, trying to figure out what exactly, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you stack them up? Right. Like, yeah. Like, is that, that's really what it was or is that a more accurate time or what exactly are we dealing with there? Like, to, yeah, toss out that, toss out the, the stakes race there. And 
All right, the horse, the races do look like they fit, but also I don't know what he's exactly beating down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me, me too, me too. I, I don't, I don't need most amusing. The and if he beats us again, beats us at a short price, like there's other five to two shots that you and I are going to find that we like a lot more. You know, yep. <laughs> so I'm always okay with that. Uh, as we move to the final leg of the pick five sequence. On Wednesday night, we've got Maiden $5,000 claimers, six and a half furlongs The distance, and to be fair This is just not the strongest group in the world <laughs> and, uh, What? Uh, and, <laughs> and it is uh, uh, There isn't that much speed On paper here Either, uh, Beautiful Babe Is going to take a lot of money, Pharaoh's Daughter We sort of just talked about Fawner Park Horses uh, Pharaoh's Daughter is another one of them Who's coming in off of some okay recent form Then you've got Brookside Bell from the rail who has raced at, at Tampa recently, uh, those three are probably going to take the bulk of the money here. Yeah. I, I don't know if there's much of anything in here, Gino. No, like, like this. no, <laughs> this is, this is a doozy. Then this is the bad way to end. Right. To be, yep. if you don't have all in this race closing, you're not going to feel confident. You're not going to feel <laughs> confident. Any of these things are going to run back to whatever they have. Yeah. This is <laughs> throwing darts at a board. So I, so with here, I I'm going with I'm going with two horses. So I, what I made was a thirty dollar ticket, and I've got two horses. At the end, which is the I think this is my top pick is number six, Pharaoh's daughter, and this also goes back into I don't know what the heck it was facing at Foner, I just, but I'm going back and looking like at its its forty thousand dollar main special rate races at Parks where it was taking money and granted it, it was it was a service horse at that time, so make what you want out of that, but. I think the horse, it, it is going to probably show a little bit of speed up there. And I, I just, there's nothing, there's nothing else here yeah. that like, jumps out. So that's where, all right, we're, we're going to go with this, the pioneer, the Nile horse. So based a little bit off the breeding on that. And my other horse is just going to be beautiful, babe, the four, which, all right. So I'm going to Ty Kennedy again. So he's oh for 10. So I need him probably for two wins in the sequence. <laughs> exactly so not right. Greedy with that at all. And, <laughs> But yeah, adding adding blankers for Dio and yeah, it's a twenty five percent move for him. Yeah, the source just grinding away at thirty five hundred dollar maiden claimers at Turf Paradise. So yikes, killed a just, lot of money down there, and so now bringing his money killing abilities here to the Shakopee. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's it just is like if he this is the only problem is that he she just might get in front, you know, yeah. and it's just if she gets in front cutting back from a mile. She's going to be really tough to pass. Um, I, I just, I could not, and I was trying. I try. You hear Dave and I, we try to build the cases against the short prices. We're looking for any sort of value we could find for you. I just couldn't get to anyone past the one, four, or six. Like, oh, yeah. I just, for sure. I, I, yeah, there's, in grand, every once in a while, Nevada Lidfin, if you're mm-hmm. looking for like a bomb, Nevada Lidfin brings in some stuff from Oaklawn Park. That looks completely off form. That comes to Canterbury and just wins at the beginning of the season. He did that last year. I think he had like a 70 to one on the turf and yeah. a, like a 60 to one on the dirt. It, it was just some crazy things that didn't make sense. So if you have an extra $10, $20, $15 in your, in your accounting for this race and you're, and you, all right, I'm going to throw in one extra horse, maybe throw in the three Danzig star and just hope, hope for something. Alex Kanshari was a, up and coming jockey at Canterbury, and then has kind of had a rough last year or two. And but he, he seemed to get going again a little bit last week. And who knows? Maybe you can maybe you can fire with that horse. 
So uh, yeah, not not the not the strongest race in the world to close things out. This maiden five thousand, um, and you know you're probably going to have to get a little creative if you want to try to get a big price home in that last one. And and maybe just what Dave was telling you there. I mean, Haven's Joy, the barn has fired well so far to start the meet, and you can at least look at that and say maybe they've just been placing their horses well. Um, but just so hard to make a case for a horse. I mean, they got money in the last couple starts too, but it just has shown absolutely nothing. Um, so yeah, I would I had them stacked almost exactly like you, you know, four, six, one, I think, which is, you know, sort of ABC. Um, but it, it does sort of feel like that kind of a race where it just is it's hard to to find a big, big price in in that s- small field. We could find them earlier in the card. We might we've got a few on the on there that that can hit and maybe this isn't one that carries over or pays twenty thousand, but if you put a ticket in for thirty bucks with with that low ten percent takeout, it's very very possible that you hit this thing for three hundred. You hit this yep. thing for five hundred, right? Something along those lines. Like we can't always be greedy shooting for the pool job. We don't always need a PJ. We could just yep. use the, some cash here and there, right? For for sure, just little bankroll builder and like yeah, Thursday January is like the Northern Stars preview day, and there's a couple like a uh, trifecta of Stakes turf races for 50,000 pieces. So building a little bit of bankroll on Wednesday to for hopefully people fire back on Thursday. I will say in that finale on Wednesday that we're talking about, one horse that we really didn't talk about, there's a horse, Timber Lady, the five. The trainer and owner for that is Catlin Bedford. Last year on closing day, she took, Catlin Bedford did. She, she was a jockey and she took a bad fall. Her horse went down. And she looked like she was potentially going to be paralyzed. And it looked very, it looked very bad for a, for a long while and didn't know what the result was going to be. And she ended up getting, she ended up healing and she, she's doing all right now, but then she got her training license. I think she had, she had a debuter last week and it was actually the horse that she went down on. I think she came back oh in. Oh my gosh, how crazy is that? So she was she was training that horse and this is I believe this is her second runner that she's had as a trainer, still owner trainer for that. So it's field good story because we we kind we knew she took up the bad fall last year and there was follow up and it didn't it didn't look good and how she was going to recover and then kind of as the season got closer it was like she she's back and she's stand up. I think she was Still wearing a neck brace, I believe. I saw a picture of her wearing a neck brace while walking around in the backside. But she was, she was, she was compared to where she was at last September. It was worlds different, and so it's kind of a feel good story. If anybody's looking for the feel good story to hit, there, there could be. Awesome, that is great. So we'll be rooting for her, and uh, we'll be uh, rooting for her horses uh, all throughout the meet there. Um, yeah, cool, cool Wednesday pick five sequence. A big congrats to Dave for the the score that you had last week. So what ended ended up paying what like over two thousand on your hit, like, right? Yeah, it was like twenty twenty eight hundred is nice. is what it was. Awesome. Come from the clouds in the finale and yeah, it was it was one of those like five races and it was a solo and then a couple of spreads in there and I would say it, it was a rarity where I would say by mid stretch. Knew that the winner was on the ticket Every time there was, yeah. there was no like sweating out a head photo or You had the three like horses like, turning for home At the top like every time You yep. know and yeah. It doesn't matter which three was going to win Like it was ugh. 
That's a like, great was, way to that have. That was non-stressful. Like, right? That's, that's such a great feeling to have when it's like, wow, this is so rare. And, it, and it's, I'm glad you pointed it out, too, because it is so rare, right? We're always sweating through at least one or two. But um, you were able to relax a little bit so far. And uh, I know you and I, before we let you go, um, big basketball fans. And uh, wow, what a great first couple days in the NBA playoffs. We had a lot of parody. A lot of these, I mean, we had the Jazz Go down. We had the Clippers go down. We had the Lakers go down right off the bat. The old, the uh, you know teams that people expected to kind of kind of cruise through their series, and then on over on the East, um, that Knicks Hawks game and Trey Young. He's like the biggest wrestling heel in the world now after what he did. Really cool Saturday Sunday. Oh, for sure. Like the yeah, the the Clippers, and we talked about them like trying to position themselves to stay away from the Lakers. And as of one game, you can say, well, that didn't turn out. Like, no, right? Um, yeah. Like, look at what look what they've done. But how? Yeah, the Knicks Hawks game. Like, how cool was Madison Square Garden? Oh my god! On, on Sunday with that, like with Trey going right at the crowd, and with Spike and Tracy Morgan down there, like that was. Like, I don't like the Knicks, but. When people say the NBA is better when the Knicks are relevant, like that was that's why that was why. And and I don't know, maybe maybe this is it. Like, so the NBA during the regular season, you've got a lot of the season ticket holders and it's a lot of corporate season ticket holders and like the lower bowl in most of these stadiums where with everything that's went on, I don't think the corporate season tickets went on this year in most places. So as fans able to get into the buildings. Yep. Thus, by postseason here, you don't have all these seats are going to be like first come first serve for actual like fans, fans, people who care, hands on them. Yeah, these arenas are going to be crazy, especially as more people come in like that. Knicks crowd yesterday was losing their freaking minds. It was awesome. Phoenix was nuts. They have not had a playoff game in like a decade. And the Laker player and this is this is from. LeBron and the Laker players who won the title last year and have been like they know they said that that crowd kind of rattled them early a little yeah. bit like they weren't ready for that kind of attempt like Kate poor KCP he's the one that will get rattled sometimes and you could see it I think he was one for seven from three he just was missing what and I I think they'll after a game or two you'll kind of get a little more used to it but wow it was it was awesome to see those people, and I think we saw Churchill Downs on Saturday night had a really great crowd out there too. They were going crazy for the racing. So, just some semblance of normal coming back this week, Dave. After that crazy twenty twenty uh, into twenty twenty one year, but uh, it was. I mean, as an NBA fan, I loved it. Sometimes you get those first round games, and they're all blowouts. Yeah, right? they're, they're no fun. This was the total opposite. This, this, yeah, it looked competitive. Uh, and yeah, most of these series look to be as competitive as you could ever hope for. Just another thing about normality the whole Phil, Phil Mickelson walking right? down. Walking I know. Down yesterday is like the, <laughs> like the, the place festival crowd was chasing him. I know. Brooks Kepka was all pissed. He said they're all banging into my knees and stuff as the crowd comes through. But it was. I'm so excited, and I think you and I just talked. You said you got your second shot, I think, or you got one of your shots. I just, uh, myself, my girlfriend, my mom, my dad, we all got all of ours now. And, um, it, yeah, it's so great to see people back out there. I think in, in Los Angeles, where, uh, where I am now, June 15th is, like, the key date. So, like, Dodger games and um, knock on wood, fingers crossed, if the Lakers get to that point, 
they'll be able to open up to even more capacity. So, um, yeah, it is, you know, you and I, we could sit here and talk about racing and basketball and any sports for hours and hours and hours, but it's just not the same without the people there. Yep. No, the people, we need the athletes, but to see them at like their best and why they are what they are. It's great to see the fans there and have the players feed off the fans on that. Like that, like, like that the Trey Young performance yesterday would have been something in with maybe a thousand people in the arena, but when he's able to give it back to them and chirping and like, oh, that was that was so so quiet in here, and he's doing the oh my god, and then the the best is like the Knicks fans online and the way his hair is. So they're doing. I think I saw somebody had like a a popsicle with like hair stuck on it that said this is Trey. Uh, it was just I can't wait now. I'm excited. About Knicks Hawks And this is like we talked about this last week Could you have imagined six months ago Us saying wow Perhaps the most fun playoff game In round one was a Knicks Hawks Playoff game Just watching (laughs) Trey Young duel with Alec Burks Burks with Burks 27 for Burks So What? uh, Alec Burks? I know This is your like seventh team yeah, oh, we will. Uh, we will be watching NBA, and we'll have to bring you back, Dave, in a few weeks and uh, and and catch up on everything that's been going on there. But thank you so much. This was a uh, totally last minute. I just shot you a message yesterday. I asked you if you could come on and handicap a little early with me, but I had to try to milk you while you're hot and and see if we can get some of that to uh to to get another ticket score this week. So thank you so much, buddy. I always love chatting with you. Sounds good. Thanks, Gino. Thanks, everyone. Make sure to give Dave a follow there on social media at Superstats Dave. We've told you he does all the uh, play-by-play radio stuff for the Minnesota T-Wolves, so he is a great, great guy to talk to when it comes to basketball. You just heard him talking about uh, uh, golf there, too. Loves all sports. Good follow on social media and a very good handicapper. Dave Handlin. We'll be having him back on. That's what she said very soon. Don't go anywhere, folks. We're going to keep on and wrap up Wednesday Canterbury. Cool, catching up again with Dave And hopefully we can lead you to some winners on Wednesday A couple that I like um, at Canterbury in the fourth race On Wednesday, the number 7, Shay's Glory Anything around 6-1 to one or so there makes sense In the fifth race, the number 8, Princess Renee If we get anything over 4 or 5-1, to one, I'm going to make a win wager there And in the seventh, the number 7, Nice Work Anything over 5-2 to two feels fair on that one And I may, uh, I may use... Nice work as a single, and I may also use Princess Renee as a single on different pick five tickets there. Uh, that is on Wednesday, but you know what? Because when I'm recording this, there's already some of those Thursday past performances out. We already got some morning lines out, and there are some pretty solid races on Thursday. We're even going to give you Thursday racing. So Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday racing for multiple tracks. Let's get the Churchill Downs, get those past performances out for May the 27th, and let's flip to race number three. I'm looking at the four, uh, a lot of spunk. This barn is rolling right now, and he look, she looks like the one to catch on the drop. She comes out of a race where she was seventh against $30,000 claimers. That was a loaded 30 claiming race. I know because the third place finisher, Threat Level Midnight, is a horse that Darren Zocali partially owns. And that one came out of that race to win a first-level allowance at Turfway next out. A lot of Spunk has been facing a lot better. And dropping in class here, you got Chewy Chewy Good drawn to the outside who's got a little bit more like route speed. And I don't know if she is as quick. Solemn Oath also has a little bit of route speed. 
maybe some sprint speed from the inside. I think this is a good spot for a lot of spunk. The number four will treat this one as an early exotic single off of that three to one morning line. We move to race number five, made in $75,000 claimers. One mile, the one turn mile. Look at the, the six road Bible and a couple of the races that he's come out of. Now, they paid 610000 I never like looking in a, in a race like this and seeing, you know, the one they paid 100000 for in for 75. The two primetime player, 430000 in for 75. Curl in Lane, they paid 500000 for in for 75. So, uh, Road Bible's another big purchase here who's in for a tag. But, debut. He's in a race where the runner-up is named Mask Parade, who just won next out with a 97 buyer speed figure. Third place finisher Happy American won next out. In career start number two at Keeneland, Road Bible hooks another really strong race. The winner, Stage Raider, came back to win a first level allowance at Belmont next out. And the runner up that day, Harvard, came back to win a maiden special weight at Indy. Some loaded races for Road Bible, who has shown who showed a little more speed in career start number two and actually showed a little more speed sprinting. So there is some ability here, and I think he can end up working out a trip, maybe sitting right behind Abdon. So I'll use the number six Road Bible in all exotics. Anything over three to one, maybe we'll uh, we'll put a few bucks to win on Road Bible. Let's move to the sixth race. I'm looking at the seven in here, Turnstone, who is sharp. She's looking for her third straight win. Uh, she's actually going to jump back to the grass now as she moves up the, the ranks, but look at her turf form. She has two races on the grass. Uh, one of them, she finished last. That was off of a five-month break. She ran into first-level allowance at Keeneland behind a graded stakes winner named, or behind a stakes winner named Great Island, who's graded stakes placed. And the other turf try was a second over this course when finishing second behind graded stakes placed in good spirits. Turnstone fits here. Anything over four to one. I'm going to make a win wager on Turnstone in race number six on Thursday over at Churchill. The seventh race is a really good race. It's like basically a stake. Second level allowance, seven furlongs on the turf course. Uh, answer in is graded stakes placed. Whiskey doubles, multiple graded stakes placed. Uh, Dean Martini won the Ohio Derby last year. You got a really sharp Banks Island. Uh, Coltonators coming off a good runner-up effort. Digital was a horse who was always really highly regarded and never really lived up to the hype. Think about Bourbon War and uh, some of the races in the big races that he was in. Necker Island was in the Derby last year. And then towards the outside, even, you know, home base you see in graded stakes. Baracho you've seen in graded stakes. What a tough, fun, excellent betting race here. I'm looking at the eight, Necker Island, who I mentioned was in the Derby last year. So... We see Necker Island in the Derby in September, and then he doesn't race again the rest of his three-year-old season. But he shows up on April the 23rd at Oaklawn Park, and he's inside. He's third, fourth early on. He's not even two lengths off, and he's tucked in. Then he gets shuffled back a little bit. He ends up about two lengths behind. He moves into a, a bit of traffic, but he gets a pretty nice opening, and the angles around. It, it was a good effort. I don't... I. I think with a, a little bit better finish, he actually could have won that race. I didn't think it was the the greatest ride or necessarily the most decisive. It, there wasn't that much trouble, but I do think this is going to be a lot better spot for Necker Island. Anything around 8-1 to one or so, we're making a win wager 
on the number 8 Necker Island in the 7th on Thursday at Churchill And then we get to race number 8 This one is a maiden special weight 5.5 furlongs on the turf course Look at the, uh, the 7 I was going to say the 9 The 7-9 Reaper Who is better than he looks on paper Based off that turfway debut It was not bad He was in the mix and It was in a big field He ends up splitting the field He's a first time gelding now The horse who uh, won that race Supremacy came right back to win May 1st With an 88 buyer speed figure And the dam of 9 Reaper Won on the turf His lone sibling is past the plate who has multiple turf wins, is a stakes winner, and his multiple graded stakes place has earned over 200000 Nine Reaper, a must-use for me in all exotics. Anything over 3-1 to one will make a win wager there at Churchill Downs on Thursday. So one more time, a look at Churchill Thursday. In the third, uh, the number four, uh, a lot of spunk, more like an early exotic single there. Anything around 5-2 to two would be fair. In the fifth, the sixth road Bible, 3-1 to one is our value line there. In the 6th, the number 7, Turnstone We need at least 4-1 to one. In the 7th, the number 8, Necker Island We'd want at least 8-1 to one there And in the 8th, the number 7, 9, Reaper We'd want at least 3-1 to one, uh, To make a wager and to get involved on that one So we're going to finish up the show With uh, a couple thoughts on Canterbury Thursday There are actually 3 stakes races on Thursday at Canterbury They're right in the middle of a uh, the low takeout pick five and the low takeout pick sixes that you can play there at Canterbury. So I figured those are already out. Let's throw a couple of those uh, on the show. If you're playing that Canterbury Thursday pick five, uh, maybe we can lead you to uh, a couple winners. So in the fourth, I do think it's going to be chalky. This is the uh, fourth race on May the 27th at Canterbury. You're looking at the Brooks Fields, and they'll go a mile into the turf. But the 7-2 Emmys is great at stakes place Was just behind Colonel Liam Who was a dead heat winner of the grade 1 turf classic And that was a 4th straight time Colonel Liam had crossed the wire first The horse that 2 Emmys finished in front of Logical Myth at that point Had just won 2 of 3 with a second Was in really good form So 2 Emmys to me just towers over the field In race number 4 In the 5th race however The Minnesota HBPA Distaff I did think you could You know find a price horse to include In some of your exotics The two My Heart Sings 12 to 1 morning line Anything over 6 feels fair She's going to go second start off the bench She's going to get back to the turf Where she's been very capable In fact her two career victories have been over This turf course at Canterbury Going a mile Best race is over this course November 8th she was in against a really tough group at Churchill Downs. I mean, a really tough group. And she had a layoff from November to April, so she needed her last start, and that was on the dirt over at Sam Houston. Now she's back to the grass going long. The race at Keeneland a few starts back in a race that was taken off the grass was really good when finishing second behind past the plate. And then look at her races last year at Canterbury. Allowance winner broke the maiden here. My heart Sings. You can make a couple excuses for some of the poor performances. You dig a little bit. You find a filly that makes a lot of sense with this group. My heart sings. Anything around eight to one or so, uh, we're going to be singing and uh, hopefully making a, a win wager there. And we move to the sixth race. This is the honor, the hero. Five furlongs on the turf. They will be flying, flat ass flying in this race. Drina stars really quick. Chessmaster, really, really quick. Rocky's Angel, really quick. Uh, Minister of Soul, really quick. Uh, 
Towards the outside, Shannon C. Really quick. It's not like Huey attack is at, is slow or anything. Or uh, Mr. Banjo Man. I'm looking for horses that have some positional speed, but can pass. I'm looking at Tin Badge, who is 15 to one on the morning line. He is not slow. But he's nowhere as fast as some of the other horses in here. And that positional speed will help him. He comes out of two really strong races that he had a little trouble in. And two starts back, he needed the race coming off the bench, flashing a little speed that day. He's going to get some pace to run at. He likes this turf course. Tin badge. Throw him in your pick fives. And also, throw in the eight, Huey Attack. who had Another one who, that Arlington race was really good. It showed you that he can stalk. He can close. He's a horse who's a little bit versatile, sort of like push button. You can place him in different spots. Huey, attack with Quinonez aboard. Three and eight for me in the sixth at Canterbury. The three, tin badge, and the eight, Huey, attack would be two horses to include in some of your uh, your rolling exotics there. So, hope we can help you out on this episode. If you... Enjoy what you're listening to here on That's What G Said. Do me a favor, share the show around with your friends. Let uh, let everybody know what a maniac uh, I am and uh, all the stuff that we cover here. And how there's always going to be uh, horse racing multiple days. And you're, you're always going to be kept updated on everything going on in baseball, in basketball, in football. Um, all the Marvel and Star Wars shows. We're working on uh, starting the, the Phantom Menace and, and getting through episode one. And, uh, and bringing you all set up um, until we get to the Mandalorian for the Star Wars later. Don't forget, Loki's coming up real soon. How about on the next episode later this week? There are some really cool things. We'll go NBA with Eric, wrestling with Chad Cooper. We're going to preview the Champion League final. The Champions League final. I don't talk a whole lot of soccer on here. I played soccer my whole life. I love soccer. I just don't necessarily watch and then follow. So we're going to have a guest on to preview that game. There's a Pimlico Friday pick five carryover that we're going to get into. At Penn National, there are a couple stakes races on Friday, including a graded stakes. There, uh, Monmouth Park opened this weekend. Churchill Downs has some Saturday stakes races. And then there's Lone Star for Monday. They've got five stakes races and a grade three. So tons to discuss on the next episode of That's What G Said. Hopefully you enjoyed this one, and uh, hopefully you enjoyed Joey Cleveland closing us out. Come on, Joey. Say goodbye. Sure.